over 24 hours of bonus CinemaSwirl-related content. Where would I even find something like that? Oh, Sam here. I'm here to tell you that you can find that over at patreon.com forward slash CinemaSwirl. If you become a $5 backer, you'll get access to Cinema Swill, our exclusive bonus monthly show where Kevin and I review some really terrible movies, including our most recent episode, Norbit, which was a wild and bumpy ride. There's a whole host of other goodies on there too, including some Q&A episodes where Kevin and I sit down together and answer some questions like the mailbag, but really big. Plus, you'll get the warm, cosy feeling of knowing that you're supporting your OTPs. Patreon.com forward slash Cinema Swirl if you want to find out more. Alright then, let's get swirling! Cinema Swirl! Sure he only had on him a sock and a shoe. It's episode number 62, and this episode is going to be shaken, not swirled, as your old pal, Cowboy Kevin, joined alongside in this large-scale operation on the base known as Hollywood, California, ziplining down underneath the lasers, it's Sam Chaplin himself, or should I say... Sam Bondlin. <laughs> Bondlin. <laughs> Sam Bondlin. Hi, I'm double uh, seven. Uh, <laughs> no? no, I'm just gonna go with double seven. Would double seven cans of Pepsi be an accurate number oh. for the number of cans of Pepsi you may have had at one point in your life? Yeah, definitely. Like per day, maybe half day. That day, I think. I could. Day. Probably, I could have got through seven on a day. Well, hello. Hello. Hi. Are you, are you excited <laughs> to talk about James Bond? Finally. I 62 am. episodes young we are in this podcast. And now we're delving into the big franchise of Bond. And so far, nary a mention of Bond. Although we have mentioned Bond a few times. He's come up. Have we? He's popped up. He's like, here and there, there's been like little mentions of Bond. We had Doug Bond emailing in. Have many folks been like, <laughs> it's only like, we're not giving you what you want, but I was surprised that we could go 60 some episodes of Cinema Swirl and there not be sort of like a, like if we hadn't done a Star Wars, we hadn't done yeah. an Arnie movie, you feel like people would be grumbling a bit. No one seems to have really cared until we said, we're going to do one. And now people are like, yeah, you're going to do one. It's seems like there's not one Bond film that people will point to and say, you haven't watched that Bond film. There's no Bond consensus. I don't think there's a Bond consensus. Not even for the Bondlins, like, like Sam. Sorry, Bondlins does sound like Holiday an off-brand <laughs> Butlins. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're, not, we're, we're not sorry. The money's a bit tight. We're, we had to tighten the belt a bit, so we're going to Bondlins Come on, instead. kids. We're going to Bondlins. It's, it's just as good. And you don't get a fun water slide. You get a Bond, a government-issued Bond, <laughs> that is, is is good as having that, is what it is. And the entertainers are all wearing beige coats and they're the beige coats and I was like that, that's not uh, come on guys oh now we're, uh. we're going deep dives here now <laughs> so alright there's a few things to, to address with it right now there is no Bond consensus there is even no consensus as to what Bond there should be we have had people and I, I, I guarantee you this no matter what we did for a vote what movies we included which Bonds we included there was always going to be roughly a third to a half of people mortified and disgusted about sure. how did we 
include this Bond and not ba that Bond? How did you dare include not three Sean Connerys? Why is there not three Pierce Brosnan movies? Why is not this one particular Bond movie that me and no one else in the hundreds of comments wants to see? Like, there's yeah. no, there's no winning here, is there? Can't please everyone with Bond films. However, you can please someone. You can, <laughs> you can please at least <laughs> at least one person, hopefully. <laughs> but interesting thing is that there's a reason why there's none of Pierce Brosnan's work in this list. Because mm, Goldeneye would have been front and centre, folks. Oh, don't, don't worry. Yes, and there's also a reason why Daniel Craig's work is not in this list, and those are two different reasons. What I have seen, I think most, if not all, of Pierce Brosnan's Bond work the only one you've not seen yeah and i really 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 want to cover it because i've got anecdotes out the wazoo for okay. it is, is die another day you've not seen officially the worst bonds i, I think okay. most, like if we just said this is the worst bonds die another day i don't think anyone would be like hey come on now that was wait after a second tomorrow is not enough which was about the newspapers that yeah. this is after that yeah, I haven't seen that one because Madonna did the soundtrack <laughs> Sorry, and I can't. Just call yeah. it, Tomorrow's not enough. What is it called? There is, there's the world is not enough. The world is not enough. Tomorrow so never, never dies. dies. Like this is like you on the phone to a contractor. Tomorrow's not good enough. I need you today. <laughs> I've seen the newspaper one. I haven't seen the one after. I don't know what happens in tomorrow. Die another, die another day, brackets, tomorrow. that day is tomorrow, and yeah. that day also never dies. But I've seen a lot of Brosnan's classic Bond work, I was a big fan, I was a big fan of the Nintendo 64 GoldenEye video game, which then oh, yeah. spun off into getting really into the films. I've watched one non-Brosnan, non-Craig Bond, I think, I've watched, oh, two. You sent me over a spreadsheet, uh, I, yeah. to help me with this, there was a spreadsheet involved here, folks, rarely, other than the master sheet of Cinema Swirl movies, mm. that we, we go into spreadsheet territory. So I've seen Goldfinger. And everyone was pissing about Goldfinger, and that obviously yeah. would have been the normal, like, that would have went in instead of From Russia With Love, obviously. I've seen Goldfinger because that's one of those ones that I, again, was told to watch as part of a college assignment really? on movie music. What sort of a fucking college were you going to? I was, Joe, I was watching Raising Arizona the other night, and, mm. and Joe, the intern, was like, oh yeah, we did this scene for college as well. It's like, I had to learn Oxbow Lakes, what the fuck? Yeah, I had to learn Golden finger mate is what i actually <laughs> and how, how do they form is it over a long period of time as well <laughs> i just dip it in mate just dip it in bish bash bosh done so i've seen that i've seen one of the ones with jaws in because mm. i remember jaws being a playable character in the multiplayer of goldeneye and going to the hollywood movie store to ask the man if the which was the one with jaws in it and could i rent that one please and I think I watched one of the ones with Jordan, but I was very young and I don't have much memory of it. And that's why we're happy that video stores hired experts to work behind the till back in those days. So they people did. like Sam could find out. Like That was IMDB back in the day. You had to walk in as a child and ask someone working in a shop. Well, the Hollywood movie store flew them in from Hollywood. That's part of the deal. Hot off the presses. Yeah. Like. <laughs> you know, if you're lucky, there'd be a few Oscars in the big bag of, of videos that would come from Hollywood. <laughs> so I've seen Brosnan's work... And a lot of Craig's work. So you're familiar with Bond, it's fair to say. Familiar with Bond, but here's a little little twist. I don't think you are familiar with Craig's work as much, Mr. Daniel Craig. No, I have actually watched 
I think nearly every single James Bond movie, mm. other than I've not seen any of not the Daniel Craig ones. Of them. I haven't seen any of the Daniel not Craig ones. Not a sausage. Ones. Not a silly sausage. Ah. So, yeah, we may have to go undercover and do a, a reverse shaken, not swirled for, yeah. for, for this case, because I've been told many, many, many times that they're very good, including... There's some crackers in there. Particularly Casino Royale, I hear, mm. is meant to be uh, excellent. I know there's a few stinkers in there as well, but I only know this because because Joe the intern and to her credit she is probably on many a Sunday afternoon said a Bond movie would be great because I think Bond and Sundays go hand in hand mm-hmm. I would say listen to this episode on a Sunday if, if you can to really get in the right headspace with, with a cup of tea but she said no I'm not going to to watch these Daniel Craig movies with you because if you are going to do a reverse world these would be good these are a perfect opportunity uh, so I think that might be a bit of a perfect opportunity I know absolutely sweet FA like as far as I'm concerned the Bond story ended in Die Another Day once he brought <laughs> peace back to the world. Madonna played out the franchise with that amazing techno remix. So, But it actually had no time to die on another day because... <laughs> Tomorrow never dies on another day, and there's no time for that. So Daniel Craig came in and just reinvented the series, Kevin. For fuck's sake, now here we are with Sam Chaplin and his love of puns, and we're going into the Bond movie franchise. <laughs> never has a kid at a candy store and a bull in a china mm. shop merged into one. You are a boy bull in a shop full of candied china. So we've talked about what we're not doing, and oh boy was the vote tight at the top there. Oh yeah, as in we didn't know when we... When when we like sat down to record, we didn't, we hadn't no. confirmed. It was just as we have as, checked as the figures. <laughs> breaking news. Yes, we, we have had our final votes in, and by six votes, mm. it is live and let die. Live and let Roger die. Roger Moore. Yeah. Now I know, as I've said, that there was no way for me to explain which bonds were picked that would in any way make anyone happy. Mm. Because I've I've found a lot of people complaining about which ones we've picked. Sure. Uh, I've literally just been tweeted saying, none of these are mad with the golden gun now. And that is when <laughs> Kevin turns off his notifications while recording. <laughs> and this is such a fucking bad idea. Literally what I did was I looked at Sam's list, mm-hmm. okay? Yep. And then I had four separate, four separate lists of top Bond movies, two from well-established canonical movie websites that we make reference to often here, two of which from broadsheet newspaper film critics of opposite ends of the political spectrum. Right, for balance. (laughs) For balance. (laughs) Sam, I've gotten five different sources and also my own source because I had two different lists and then I thought, no, because people will moan if I do two Connery and one more or, or two more and one Connery or heaven forbid three Connery or three more hmm. so yes I did push in George Lazenby because that movie appeared in top ten lists from all four of those sources and I felt bad for him as well alright alright you've shown your working I've shown my working I'm very proud was, of you for being thorough <laughs> I was very thorough Sam yeah but all I'll say is there'll be, there'll be lots more there'll be more Bond votes surely yeah I'm, I'm sure yeah and we might do more thematically narrowed bond i.e. we might do next one will be just a connery bond swirl all right and then we'll, we'll all be happy won't we As to some people will be happy the the, the more heads you know the weapons grade nuclear more heads will excuse be, yeah. me we, we refer to ourselves as more ons because we're on <laughs> the roger moore train okay right. 
yeah. choo choo. I'm not going to lie. I am quite delighted that Roger Moore picked up the win because mm. let's face it, folks. Roger Moore is the best Bond, uh, easily the best Bond by a considerable stretch. And you know what? As well, they'll even say it themselves because I'm pretty sure Sean Connery. I've got a quote here from saying. Yeah, yeah, no, he's just said here that Roger Moore was the best Bond and he was at least, listen to this, five times better than me at doing it. So, well, there we go. From the horse's mouth himself. I know Sean Connery says all sorts of stuff that we tell you to ignore, but don't ignore mm, that. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, actually, it's, in a way, it's a good thing that we don't have a little bit here uh, when we're going no. to... Where's, where's noted domestic abuser uh... Sean Connery on the podcast? <laughs> No, no, we will. We'll come to him in in time. Yes, and we'll do I'm a sure. special George Lazenby swirl as well, won't we? <laughs> and a special Timothy Dalton one as well, won't we? Well, yes, of course we will. But before then, live and let die. Live and let die. Live and let die. Uh, we've got a lot going for live and let die. This is the first Bond movie that I owned on video, mm. and I, I want to ask about you. Bond videos were kind of a staple in the house. Like a Saturday afternoon or a Sunday evening, very often the Bond movie would be put on, and it seems to be one of the only things that was ritualistically watched in my house. That mm. I can tell you, I wasn't keen on Bond until probably Goldeneye and stuff like that. Okay, but but I was plonked down in front of many an afternoon of Connery and more and actually i think one of my earliest memories of going to the cinema a very early one i know we said before batman returns but i saw the really violent one what's it called license to kill i saw that in the cinema it sounds violent doesn't it <laughs> that is that's known that is the violence that's the gory bond right that okay, one. Yeah, so yeah. it is ah. but you tell me here now with your almost entire collection of brosnan movies being watched mm-hmm. seems that old jb was doing his job when sam chapman was growing up they got you into the cinema they got you watching bond yeah watched plenty of bond it, it, it all it all stemmed from the video game really yeah any watching before that i don't think so i mean that wow. game came out what late 90s mid 90s in 96 i would say 95 96 i would have been quite young and so then i watched golden eye and i watched a few other bonds i may have seen bits of some other bonds but not enough that it's you know made that much of an impression on me it's so weird to think of you playing bond when you're like seven or eight years old i was good i was good the cradle level i was fucking brilliant at my brother who is the video game guy right he would be the one who'd be playing i'd be watching he'd hand over that clunky controller to me because he knew i could get through cradle like that i was just you know brilliant well you could it. get from the cradle to the grave maybe it's because you hate Sean <laughs> yeah, Bean I, I so much <laughs> maybe you just wanted to kill Sean Bean like that yeah. was it you just had that bloodlust in your, in your heart that game got you into Bond yeah that game got me into Bond and Bond is uh, at, like completely ubiquitous I'm not saying like I found this game was like oh, who, who's this obscure spy character like you know Bond Bond's been parodied and everything what do I know about Bond most of the stuff you need to know about Bond He's a spy. He loves the Queen. He does. <laughs> he, lo- he loves the Queen of the stage and screen, Dame Judy Dench. You know, he- she's the real Queen. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually. I technically, I would swear allegiance to to that Queen. I think I would. Yeah, is it a British staple, Sam? It's a British staple. This is a. This is, these are British films. Yeah. This is a an iconic British literary and film character. This is a, this is a big deal. Bond. I want to know then, 
as a result of that, was this something that there was ever any kind of like parental involvement? Like, come on now, Sam, bit of best of British, bit of Bond, watch Bond and eat your roast beef, be British, you know? Because many kids aren't eating beef or watching yeah. Bond these days. I think there was some some of that, but I, I don't know how much my dad in particular was into Bond movies, really. I, I think I've mentioned before that one of my earliest, not earliest cinema memories, but something I remember was not being able to go and see one of the new Bond films because I was too young. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was nearly brought in on that part of it, but it just didn't work out. The, the timings weren't there, but I've since been yeah. to the cinema to see... Uh, more more recent Bonds. Bond has is shifted tone so often, and like, mm. that's why I think it's really weird. I think we're de- I, we're definitely in for some shocks, like watching the okay. the nineteen seventies classic we're about to sink our teeth into. Mm. But yeah, like I remember like early memories of Bond being quite a violent franchise and whatnot. But then and also being quite a cuddly. Like I remember being quite bored by a lot of Bond when I was a kid. Mm. And actually, the phrase "Go and watch James Bond with your father," I'm pretty sure I've heard that a few times. Like. If I wasn't going to sit down and watch James Bond, I'd be like, I'd, you're, you're going to ruin the Sunday afternoon atmosphere by not partaking in Bond. <laughs> right, it's like, it's like a requirement that you that you watch it. I think there's so many things we could touch on here, but I, I we'll get lost in it. Like, gadgets, you know, cars, all that sort of thing. Who is your favourite Bond? Is your favourite Bond Brosnan? Yeah. Yes. I would say so. In t- in, just, you know, gut instinct. Yeah. I really enjoyed him. It's what you grew up with, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's like Doctor Who's. It's like some other franchises that have different people playing the same character. Can't remember any other times where that's happened. This, I'm sure there's lights. I mean, I'm a Moorhead. Yeah, I'm a moron. Yeah. I, I think that Roger Moore was the... I mean, it's technically the one that I grew up with because even though I saw all of the Brosnan ones in the movies, I remember having a lot of Roger Moore on video. And I think he was my dad's fave as well, maybe. Okay. So it felt like there was a lot of those ones in... Like A Spy Who Loved Me is another one which I which I remember seeing a lot of. A View to a Kill, I remember seeing a lot of. And Moonraker as well. And what I like mm. most about Roger Moore... And I'm not sure if this will be the best example. I think it will be somewhat. Hmm. I think Moore is the perfect Venn diagram of, like, serious Bond and, like, pure goofy Bond. In that I can't think of anyone who's been in as many goofster ones, but also legit ones where he's cool Bond that you remember and know and love. Quite like Roger Moore. He is the broadest of Bonds, I would say. My understanding of Roger Moore is that I'm going to have to strap myself in for more of the, you know, the quips... The kind of the smooth, suave. I, I, I'm, I'm prepared for some goofiness here, and that's the feeling I get from more. That is, and the, the, uh, that's, that's a nice change of pace because you would rarely get any goofiness from Connery at all, except for that one interview that he did where he said that the entire run of him in the James Bond movies was actually just a big joke, big laugh that he was having. It was just a piss take, actually, was all it was. <laughs> and at the end he said, I can't believe they let me get away with that shit. He, he punked us all, truly, he, did he Sean did. Connery. He's the original Ashton Kutcher, Sean Connery. I'll give him, I'll give him that. I don't know much about this film itself. Um, yeah. Other than the song. What's the song, Sam? It's Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney and Wings, which is a belter, you know. Yeah, okay, well. There's so much we could talk about, but I feel like maybe we should just kind of live and let die. Live and let bomb, as they say. So before we mm. walk slowly across the screen and then turn and make red jam dribble down, let's look into the mailbag. Mm. 
Now, what I'd like you to do for this one, Sam, mm. is when the mailbag comes, that you're walking slowly, and it goes da 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 da, and you turn, and it goes bang, and then loads of letters trickle uh, yeah, down. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, l- listeners at home, make sure you watch out for that. Yeah. Um, Good. Bang. And the de- and welcome to the mailbag. <laughs> <laughs> Bang! And the mail is here. And the mail is bagged. Thank you for your questions into cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. These come in to that very same address. Our first yeah. one is from Ryan, who writes, Dear Bag and Mail, In these unprecedented times, I've been watching a lot of Shark Tank to fill up some of my free time. Mm. I assume that at least one of you is familiar with the show, both of us. I think we've, we've mentioned it on, on episodes. Given the multiple mentions of Dragon's Den in past episodes. There we go. From the films you've swirled, which characters would have the best slash worst products, ideas, businesses to pitch <laughs> to the sharks? Thanks, <laughs> Ryan. I think I'd like to see... Probably Walter and the dude from the Big Lebowski just try and sell uh, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't like the idea because the best Shark Tank, and I think this happens more often in Shark Tank than in Dragon's Den because Dragon's Den, there's an air of politeness that you don't get in Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Shark Tank, you very often have two presenters who are completely at odds with each other, like tonally on the business end. Like one guy, yeah. we need 500,000. Do we? Like, talk about it before you go in. The bit where they go, da, 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 da. You know, the big long <laughs> walk you could have had loads of chats about what you wanted so i would have like yeah i think there would have been a lot of anger there there would have been a lot of confrontation and they would have been dead to mr wonderful which is the most important thing that's that's not where you want to be you know what i think and this may be a case of recency bias Mm -hmm. but i feel like axel foley oh yeah has the the mouth to pull off a successful shark tank pitch slash dragon's den pitch fast talking is old axel foley convincing he's tricked people into all sorts of different things with his disguises and undercover operations i think he could quite nicely pull it off if he had the other two cop lads as his backup guys slash number men then they'd be a formidable team i reckon yeah i always like when there's like a quiet person who's only uses like the last resort in the pitches in the den in the tank yeah so i mean there's i think there's any number of characters as long as we get the requisite amounts of conflict and desperation and of course if it's anyone from the Rebel Alliance oh we thank you for your service they're all rushing over each other to thank them for their service like. this tends to be my go-to answer for these sorts of questions but again I feel like Rocky pitching like <laughs> some sort of like line of gym wear or something or you know a punching how about bag I make you a, I'll make you a nice dinner <laughs> how about that I would just love to see it Rocky makes that nice right level of you know desperation and, and kind of a, a, adorableness I think from Rocky is what you could get there and what would happen there with Rocky being in there like you suggest Sam is mm. you probably find someone I'm not sure if it'd be Mark Cuban or maybe it'd be Robin they get a little bit of a pissing contest with each other where, where they'll go on about like oh I know all about, about this man and like oh great pitch almost as good as that right hand you pitched to Clubber Lang in your uh, historic <laughs> fight you know because I know I know very, I know a lot Mark I know a lot and then Mark's like well I own boxing I own boxing and they go back and forth and mm. Rocky's like oh it's getting a little spicy here maybe oh, maybe we'll give Rocky a little bit of money and then at the end it's like actually no Rocky it's not for me it's not a business and I am out but I thank you for your service and you realise their whole argument was just that they were arguing about something else framed within your pitch and that happens very often as well even about the investment exactly you could have shown them the door at the start we're going to have an argument about something else we're not investing in your pram go away say what you will about Theo Pafitas he's never done that absolutely not and that's why he runs the Ryman stationery chain with an iron fist (laughs) 
And they do actually sell those iron fists that they use as paperweights <laughs> that you can get at Ryman's. They're, they're pretty cool. They're cheap. So thank you for that question, Ryan. Ryan! And next question comes in from Mackenzie, who writes, Hello there, lads. I was recently listening back to past episodes, and I just listened to the Akira episode, mm. and you were talking about Western adaptations of animes and how they were not so great. Mm. Now, my question is, what Western film would you like to see adapted into an anime? Love you guys. Keep up the good work from Mackenzie. Now, the subject line of that email was anime. And when emails like that come into my inbox, I, I, I'm a little bit wary. But this this was fine. <laughs> I just if it, just the subject is anime. I'm like, uh, Look, okay, Sam, but. you need to check out the material, okay? Because you haven't considered that if your penis was anime, how much bigger you could make it, okay? There's there's lots of products available, okay? I'll send I'll my piece. Oh, I, I mean, I have considered at that but <laughs> make all the assumptions you want i'm gonna put the proverbial cinema swirl handcuffs on and say that we have to pick from okay. an existing episode yeah, yeah. Or, or swill if you want to from or patreon swill. you know you could do anime norbit if you want that like you know oh, jesus oh. christ that would not make it any more no one would add that they'd, they'd refuse and they'd leave <laughs> Just be unfinished drawings. <laughs> I'm so, simply what, not drawing it. What would you go for, Sam? Well, you know what? The Wizard of Oz, Kevin. Ooh, the Wizard yeah. of Oz. Can you imagine those locations, those characters, the bright, colourful, you know, nature of it lends itself wonderfully to yeah. anime, doesn't it? Do I, it are re- there many anime musicals? To, to, uh, I mean, they have songs in them sometimes. I, mean, I, I can think of ones that have songs, but like some that's like foot forward. This is a musical anime. Mm. No, I, I can't say I've seen one, but I'm sure. I mean, that's such a broad fucking genre, you know, anime. Yeah. I mean, goddamn, there absolutely is. Whether or not they've been translated into English is another thing because I know there's a lot of stuff with like the idol groups. They have like their own animes and stuff where they where they put the music from from their albums and stuff in there. Mm. Yada yada yada. Man, yeah, the Wizard, Wizard of Oz. Wizard of, I, could, I could feel it. Yeah, yeah, the Wizard of Oz. That's an awesome fucking pick because like when you watch like a studio ghibli movie you do get a little bit of that sense of wizard of oz like wonder over there mm-hmm. and i'm always really interested in how other countries i mean i say other countries i'm always interested in how japan consumes and absorbs media from other countries and then how they kind of interpret it like i always love to know like in things like music and stuff like that mm. you know, the japanese audience gets into these weird obscure bands and certain bands make it huge in japan that never really made it big elsewhere and i, I yeah. like the idea that that can happen as well with like with movies and stuff i'd love to know what japan thinks so it could of be something weird and obscure that <laughs> could be a big one in japan in terms of anime i don't all right i'll tell you what i'd love to see anime just because it really has the over the topness of a lot of the stuff I've been watching recently like Jojo mm. and One Punch Man uh, Face Off that's a total yeah. fucking anime I mean yeah. it basically is anime with that dialogue <laughs> I, uh, Nicolas Cage's performance like that feels like it could just lend itself to, oh, to yeah, anime like, doesn't it? it well it does because like in One Punch Man they change the art style as different things as the action happens right. and if you notice Nicolas Cage he manages to find a way despite being a human to make his face change art style entirely and become something else <laughs> all, all together so yeah it's amazing so there you go those, those are our anime picks for things we'd want tra- translated the other way you know sw- swapped over the other way great question great question now, Kevin Sam I'm going to close up the mailbag there Okay. And uh, what I will say to you mm-hmm. is that, you know, la- on the last episode, you'll remember that we had a Pepsi Swirl segment. We did. And I've remembered that I didn't edit in the music for Pepsi <gasps> Swirl there. 
But hey, if you're going to go back and check it, listeners, by the time you listen to this, I will have replaced the audio and no one will ever know. Unless you're on SoundCloud, in which case you'll have to clear your cookies or clear your cache and then return and re-download it. <laughs> Look, right, we all make mistakes. Yes, and I have made that exact mistake at least yeah. twice in the many years I've been doing this, so yeah. So we, d- we did the Pepsi Spoil segment on the last episode, mm-hmm. and you would think that now at this stage of... of cinema swirl Mm. where i mean maybe some new listeners don't even know what this pepsi swirl thing is and to do another edition so soon would be self-indulgent and maybe even a bit annoying right well no 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 no, because it's i won't hear a bad word against indulgence because i no, i often i would see people now and i would think that's very self-indulgent behaviour, and I don't mm. agree with that at all. But then, now, it's all about the perspective, because there were times now where I was indulging myself. Sure. And I, th- and I really enjoyed that, and I thought, well, that's actually, that's pretty much all right, actually, you know? I, yeah. That's okay. You so know? there's something that to was... be said of self-indulgent, providing you are the self. So I would just say, you or know... Or you are will self? I don't know. know if, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying something. New thinking, new drinking. You know, that's all I'm saying here, is that maybe if you're judging self-indulgence, maybe you should change your perspective. Well, with that in mind, Sam, when you're doing the edit, play play the music now, put the music in. Welcome to Pepsi Swirl. We're back oh, in Pepsi Swirl. Now, last time I mentioned, you know, I, I'd had a, a Pepsi, a Pepsi yeah. Max, yeah, with with a nice bit of vanilla vodka. Yeah, yeah, and, I and, remember that. And you thought what I was saying was that I'd had gin in Pepsi Max, and that that would be horrific to have. I, I stand by that. And and so what I've done here, <laughs> Kevin, is that I've got a glass with some gin in it. Okay. And I've got a can of Pepsi Max, which has okay. got uh, Raheem Sterling on the front of it. Oh, that's my mate! It says, for the love of it. And I just, I just like that, because it doesn't mention football, but it just says, for the love of it. Oh, man. I mean, what, what is it? It's he football. Looked, he looks dead chuffed there, does Raheem Sterling. He does. And I'll tell you what, Pepsi, you could sponsor the football and get that ball turned into the Pepsi logo that we all know. People be kicking that ball. Maximum ball, no sugar. Surely that has to have been done before, Pepsi. Come on, get your finger out. Now, this glass I'm drinking out of, this is a Coca-Cola glass that comes free with McDonald's meals back in the mid-2000s. I filled it with gin and ice, and the ice has melted, and it is now really quite full with gin and water. It is. That's that's quite a tall couple of fingers of gin you got in there. It's a tall order. I'm just going to put some Pepsi on top of that. Oh, let's let's hear that. Let's hear that. Oh, 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 no, I... There we go. We didn't get the... But, you know. (laughs) It'd be really funny if all the Coke and Pepsi ads, instead of having the... I just said... <laughs> you know, you know. Once you pop, you can't stop. Let's see if I can get the pour here. There we go. Nice. Right, it's going in. I, look, I've got the ratio absolutely wrong, but apparently, Scroobius Pip of various podcasts, wrestling and otherwise, swears by gin and Pepsi Max. His, no, his what he does is he gets by by swearing. I've listened to that. So <laughs> some of, on some of his records. On some of those that records. Naughty, naughty boy. So I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give this a try and I'm going to give you my honest feedback. S- sorry, Scroobius Pip, I didn't realise you were Eiffel 5 because this track seems an awful blue for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> so here drink we go. Drink that, just, uh, drink. Yeah. Drink that, drink. 
That's a delicate Sam, can I just say, that's a delicate sip you took. My, right, my, my first thought... Sorry, I'm just doing the MasterChef music. <laughs> quite watery. That's my own fault. Yeah, that um, is, yeah. And drinking more of it will get around that problem. I'll, I'll tell you for what. That's not bad, that. That's no, not bad. But what that is, that is bad for a podcast because unless you want people to think that I'm podcasting with one of the Trailer Park Boys with a mixed drink here, that is going to sound awful for the ears. So you either got to glug that or jettison right, okay. it from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? How many glugs would you give that, Sam? At least a four, because I think that it just tastes like Pepsi Max to well, me. It's funny because you had four glugs there as well. That's interesting. <laughs> I can't taste much of the gin. Sorry for the noises of me just drinking a, a, a Pepsi there. But there you go. I think that does actually work. It sounded horrendous and repulsive. And folks, I, I don't know why we're at this point. Assumedly, I said or did something in the last episode that somehow created a challenge-like atmosphere to bring this up again. Yeah. And I, I sit here kind of feeling like I've been gassing on it. Did I, did I say anything about this? Did I just... Because, like... <laughs> you're just drinking <laughs> Pepsi on a fucking you're just drinking Pepsi and booze now look I, I did it towards the end of the recording of this segment episode 162 what would it be like if I just did a little <laughs> bit of brown with, with some Pepsi Max it could be nice look I felt like it. I owed it to our listenership yeah. to, to just give it a try and just see if it was nice. And was it nice to have your nice drink on this sunny day as I sit here thirsty? It was nice to have my nice drink and just to have a, a little a little taste of Pepsi and a bit of booze to get me through some nice James Bond time here yeah. on Cinema Swirl. Because, I mean, we're going to watch Live and Let Die. Are you? You seem a little bit like, oh, I watch Live and Let Die. Are you like... Not looking forward to it. I mean, because you, you obviously you've enjoyed Bond, but it's it's very obvious that Daniel Craig Bond and Pierce Brosnan Bond. I mean, those are so. I mean, there's elements of, in Pierce Brosnan, at least I could say there's elements of his his Bond here. But these are this character changes a lot with the times. I'm I'm, I'm curious to see it. I, I, okay. I didn't mean to sound unenthusiastic. I think what yeah. I was trying to do was have a, a more measured response because I I was worried I didn't want to come across too giddy after having some Pepsi and some booze. And if I was like, we're going to do that, people would think, oh, he's, he's had two sips. So what that was there, folks, was that was the first instance of someone growing paranoid because of sipping gin and Pepsi on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, let's go fix yourselves some martinis. Shaken, that is. Not Pepsi and gin. Let's go do a cinema swirl. We're back, or should I say, did it, did it, uh, good. <laughs> so we're, we're here with James Bond, live and let die. Yep. Not your first Bond, but your first Bond swirl. Sam, how did you get on with Mister, or should I say, Sir Mister Roger Moore? With Sir Mister, well, I feel I've got mixed feelings. Please, Sir <laughs> Mister Roger Moore's my father. <laughs> I'm Mr. Sir Roger Moore. (laughs) Uh, But generally, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah? This feels interesting, this film. And weird. It, it is, isn't it? It's very yeah. weird. And I think in my haste to find the movie that I thought was the most popular for Roger Moore in, mm. in James Bond, which I believe this and The Spy Who Loved Me are probably the two most Roger Moore heavy ones. I forgot to, to po- figure out that a lot of critics probably don't care or find it weird that this is a Bond movie that has both a surprisingly good and surprisingly bad bad racial representation for 1973 yeah which is a funny year 73 where i don't know whether to go ah fair play bond or for fuck's sake bond what are you playing at it feels like it's in some middle ground where you don't know like <laughs> what's but none of us know enough really no. to know if it's bad or good but so this wasn't necessarily what i was expecting there are some things that i thought were going to be in this that are not in this at all Mm-hmm. And there are other things that are surprises to me. It wasn't what I was necessarily dreading because I had seen, you know, this was one of the ones I had on video. Mm. And I was just like, I know that it's a dodgy Bond. And there's quite a few dodgy Bonds. Sure. Very often the dodginess of Bond is just Bond himself. Whereas in this, Bond is a bit dodgy, but the premise is the dodgy bit, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, in a way, it's a balance. I'll tell you what is in here and what I do like and what I've always liked is the iconic Bond music and the the little... What do you call it? The title sequence thing where the little hole kind of bobs around on screen and the blood comes down. So like a barrel of a gun. I tell you what that is, Sam, is that that's very relatable content because I sure disagree if I got shot as well. Like, if someone <laughs> shot me, I'd be like, oh, no, 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 no. And my head would be going Dude, left what, and right. Yeah, wobbling back and And then I'd be looking down at the ground because I can't even look at you now. I'm that upset. I, I've always loved how a little bit crap and homemade that effect has always looked. <laughs> like, obviously for the time, fine. But even for much longer afterwards, where they could have done it up a bit nicer, I think it's tradition to keep it a, a little bit arts and crafts, is what I would this say. This is easily the most I paid attention to a Bond movie ever. Ever, okay. ever, ever. Because every other time I've watched a Bond movie, it's been a Sunday afternoon where I'm full of roast dinner or tea and cakes, and I'm a bit sleepy and I don't really care. And it's just or kind of on. I've been dragged to the cinema to try and reclaim some of the magic of Goldeneye, which is just not going to happen. Keep in mind, I've not seen your Daniel Craig special <laughs> Bond movies, all right? So, watching this, I was enthralled by loads of random bits of Bond. Mm. Like, does he hold his arm every time he does the sideways shoot? Like, because Roger Moore was doing that, but I just thought, because the gentleman anticipated mm. some kickback from his sidearm. <laughs> I like that you, you've got a Roger Moore ready to go. I can, I, I can get a sense <laughs> that we're going to get a bit more of that. That's, that's <laughs> my takeaway from what you just said. Ah, uh, okay. Kevin's got a more here. We're, we're gonna we're gonna have fun. Oh, hey, we're straight into New York's United Nations, and we see the UK delegate looking extremely bored. Is that what you would refer? I was disappointed, Sam. I thought you'd refer to him as our man in New York. <laughs> <laughs> And oh, oh, there it was, as usual, in the UN, or the UN, as I like to call it, with a Hungary banging on, as usual, like something or other. Farage is there looking pretty, uh, you know, unimpressed. And someone unplugs the translation feed for his headphones and replaces it with something else. Yeah, EDM. That something else is a big, loud, horrible, squealy noise. What? Fucking hell, like, that made me laugh straight away. And I was like, I think I'm in for a good time here, because this is like... 
this is kind of silly Bond in a way. This is oh yeah, yeah. Like maybe I've become too familiar with the Craig era of Bond, where things are a bit more grounded in realism. But very funny to have a big loud squealy noise that kills a man, and he goes kind of. And kind of keels over with the horrible loud noise. You're in this perfect moment, like ten years into Bond, where they're just bored enough of like just straight up Bond, and they've just had to be just not not a full jump, but a toe into the realm of the absurd. Yeah, and that's what you get. You know, we were talking about in Face Off how it was peak fun times for terrorism. This is peak fun times for espionage. This is when they were like, <laughs> look, we know that there are spies doing all sorts, and we know that we've got computers and things now so sure we've probably got some sort of an edm singular ep a funny that noise kill, that'll kill you kill, <laughs> it's like there's, there's a fucking catchphrase buzzing in noise that kills this man <laughs> <laughs> have we killed him yes right <laughs> i never trusted that mr chips i knew he was a sleeper agent <laughs> mr chips would be a good bond villain oh yeah because you wouldn't know what he's doing the whole say what you see mr bond say what you see <laughs> And I don't know quite exactly what he's up to behind there. It seems as if he's up to all sorts, Mr. Chips. We get a kind of montage here of agents being killed. And this next one is a fucking nightmare of emotional rollercoaster situation. Because we're in New Orleans... Or, or Norlands, New Orleans. as it's all in. I, I'm, I'm watching Treme at the moment, so I was like, wait... Norlands down we're, in the treme. Here we go, baby. Good times. We're in Norlands, and round the round a street corner comes a marching band and everything. And I was like, "Oh, these guys look a bit miserable." And then I was like, "Oh no, it's a funeral procession. That's why they look miserable." And then a little man comes out and says, "He's asked like, whose funeral is this?" Yours, and then stabs him with a knife. It's such a gentle stabbing. It's yes. Like, if you're gonna stab me, do it like this man here. It's just like a shh. What, uh, he inserted the tab and the man died. That was it. Like. <laughs> but Kevin, I thought that was like a, a clever line to give before you stab someone when there happens to be a funeral procession passing. But oh no, they come by with the coffin and scoop up the man who has just been stabbed into the coffin. They just drop it down, pick it up and then start dancing to kind of celebrate that this man has died. I mean, <laughs> that was incredible to watch, that little sequence there. I felt so many different things. I wasn't sure if I was being sensitive to d- all sorts of <laughs> problems. I was like, oh, they look miserable. Oh, it's a funeral procession. Oh, he's joking about it. Oh, it's not a joke. Oh, it is kind of a joke. What what on earth happened? But I love it. Look, we're not saying look upon every funeral procession with suspicion. <laughs> But I think we'd be stupid to say don't have at least a degree of suspicion with most funeral processions. What I'd say to you, Kevin, is that it's always important to stay alert, all right? Exactly. In any circumstance. Any circumstances. Now, the thing with watching Treme at the moment is that, you know, you get a lot... I think it's the second line band or what... There's this whole business of there being music at funerals and there being processions, particularly through, like, the music quarters and whatnot. Uh, My loose knowledge of Treme from watching one season so far, Mm. when we were watching it with (laughs) me and Joe, the intern, and there was a bit with a funeral, I go, oh, I think I know a bit of Norlin's lore here what they do here is they do a bit of a funeral and it seems sad but then in the New Orleans tradition it all becomes very happy right and she's like oh okay i'm like hang on watch out for it now watch out for it and we just watched 
a long scene of a funeral oh, where there was no dancing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they're like, you know what? I think that is... There's only a dance if they manage to successfully kill a man. And scoop him up into and a coffin. Him up. Yeah. And once that coffin is received, the receptacle what? is full, then it's a good time. Then it's a party. You were talking about Dragon's Den stuff earlier. The fact that this coffin can be placed down onto someone and then as you pick it up, it is sealed and he's now in it. That's impress- That's an impressive mechanism to get it going. Is. And then that's because if Mr. Wonderful says, forget it, you're dead to me. And I go, well... If I am, I'll just get in this easy peasy coffin then, shall I, with its proprietary design? Yeah? I'm just saying. A final agent death in this little pre credit sequence. We're on a, a Caribbean island. I can't remember the name of this specific island, but there's a lad tied up. He's about to be bitten by a snake. Oh, that's bad times. Lots of uh, Caribbean folk dancing. He gets bit and. We're into the song. It's song time. Uh, you know what's great about that, right? Mm. The build up to the song. And I know you're I know you're a Macca head. Yeah, yeah, you're like Paul McDonald McCartney himself. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And did you notice that as they were about to kill the guy, it was going And it like like Day in the Life. And I thought oh. we were gonna get a special <clears throat> James Bond. Woke up, got out of bed. <laughs> Dragged a comb across my head. But the comb, of course, was a device I could use to communicate with this gentleman over here. Made my way downstairs and had a smoke. Suddenly I noticed I turned to the left and shot a man who disagreed with me. (laughs) Uh, Right. Is this song Live and Let Die? Is this Paul McCartney or is it Wings? I'm not sure. It's Paul McCartney and Wings. It's Paul McCartney and Wings. What's that? The song Paul, is by Paul McCartney and Wings. And Wings. Who Wings would go on to just be Wings uh, with Paul McCartney within that. But Paul was Paul worried that he wouldn't be known to be in the band if he didn't say Paul McCartney and Wings. Like, did he want it to be Paul McCartney and the Beatles? <laughs> that's that's why they split up because he was like, guys, we we need to have a name change. This is now Paul McCartney and the Beatles. It's just not clear. I'm sure it's credited as Paul McCartney and Wings, not just mm. Wings. It's written by Paul and Linda, performed by Paul McCartney and Wings, or performed by Wings. Hmm. Oh, there's a question here. Yeah, over I thought it. it was Paul McCartney and Wings. But th- it, what is not in question, Kevin, mm. is whether this is a belter. Oh, because, it's a five star oh, Bobby Dazzer belter. Oh. And you know what it is? There's songs that get in your head, Sam, right? And yeah. fair play to any song that finds its way in your head. And I know we all get irritated with earworms, but you have to respect the process. Mm. But say is it nothing of the fact that this is a song that gets into your head and then actively changes the tempo of your life. Because yeah. if you're walking around to the big hood, well, you were wrong and you were not an absolute dickhead, you're walking around slow. But if you happen to be chopping vegetables when it gets to the mate you gotta find dice that's all i'm saying you got a very fine dice indeed yeah. live and let dice because uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's, it's an absolute stone cold belter i'm glad that this crops up later on as like a motif throughout the film that's great yeah, yeah, you get yeah. little bits of the melody or different portions here and there some interesting stuff later on i'll, I'll touch on but this sequence with the kind of wobbly water effect on the titles, the cutting from a face to a flaming fucking skull. And some of those ladies were not wearing clothes. And they they thought you couldn't tell by turning off the lights. And I've been eating my carrots, mate. And uh... Uh, Yeah, sorry, you don't control the brightness on this TV. Uh... <laughs> and look, it's a sexy song. 
It's a oh, sexy yeah. song. It is a sexy song. But again, though, I say to the people, oh, it is a sexy song. Perhaps I'll use that in my sexy endeavors. Just be careful. Again, the pacing issues. You don't want Paul McCartney deciding when you're shifting gears. And that's no. what's going to happen if you're listening to this song. And there's, like, there's a verse bit. There's the kind of fast-paced... And then there's a bit I keep forgetting about. Oh yeah, the bouncy bit. Where it turns into a fucking Kiora advert towards <laughs> like, the what, end. What the fuck's going on there? So you don't want that level of sudden, sharp change in tempo on your sexy playlist. Particularly so the fact that you've got sharp changes in tempo, some of which will elicit laughter, which you generally yeah. want to avoid. Like, you know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> the song is deceptively unsexy when you think about it, Sam. Mm. Uh, all right, but I, for me, I enjoyed it on a sexual level. <laughs> we cut to James Bond, and yes, uh, yes he's with a lady oh. who once again finds himself interrupted by spy business. And there are stone-cold, fucking, absolutely dead-on-the-money quips in this movie, mm. right? But then there are just some of these ones where it's like, you wouldn't have that one for free. You know, there's loads of, like, ones which aren't quite quips, like this. Insomnia? Instructions, Bond. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> it's another thing with IN at the start. So, who's this MI6 man, the old man who comes in? Is he just the... Is he... Who's he? This, I, th- he I think that's M. I Is think that M? M. Very um, little of the extended Bond family here. Money Penny's here for a, a brief spell. Ain't no Q ain't or no Q. X, Y or exhibit. I None was of them waiting are for Q the whole time. We've got no Q. John Cleese has got alimony bills to pay off. <laughs> we said we'd. Uh, you can digitally insert me into all of the old Bonds oh, as well. That up. way I get th- 13 more checks. John, John Cleese, who was in, I think, two Bond films. <laughs> the iconic Q. No, he's the iconic R. He's the oh, he was from Q. Yeah. Was, or no, you know what the problem is mm. you didn't recognise him because of the Irish in, in Ireland he was called uh, Or. Right. But over here he was called Ah or Ah. Oh. Right. I, I read some trivia because I was looking about Q because I didn't see Q. And Pierce Brosnan, in the first one with John Cleese, found it really difficult to call R R because of his native Irish pronunciation. Navin. Twenty minutes down the road he was. It was now? a real struggle for him to say Ah, in that kind of British way. So in in the later film, he managed to call him Q. He he kind of became Q when he'd earned Pierce Brosnan's trust. Yeah. So he was like, that's much better to pronounce in this (laughs) cod English voice that I'm having to do for this thing. So there you go, a little fact for you there. Little, you know, not bad for a Navin man now. And no, he's, he's done well. Fun fact: If you say the word Navan into a recording device and then reverse it, you'll say the word Navin, like someone from Navin. So ah. there you go. A little fun one for you to try at home. I'll, I'll give it a go. Uh, so yeah, the men, the MI6 man is here. James's lady friend, his Italian lady friend, is hiding in a cupboard. James is trying to like shuffle. M out of the way and be like, oh, don't go in there, you'll see the lady. You've not been having sex, Bond, have you? As you know, as, as a secret agent of MI6, you're strictly forbidden from having any sort of intercourse. Like, I thought, I mean, how do you not know that Bond's a ladies' man? I was going to say, like, do, <laughs> well, I was going to phrase on. it differently and call him a top shagger. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's got to be, like, is that not in the first that line well of this known. fucker's personnel file? Yeah. 
Chop Shagger, whatever he wants to call have a them. reputation by now as, you know. It's to be expected that Bond's going to be entertaining a lady. You know what? He's got a reputation with me now, uh, Sam. Mm. He's got a reputation for having a lovely kitchen and immaculate mm. copper cookware that I'm very jealous of. We don't get Q, but we still get some gadgets. We've got a little magnet watch. Or Magno watch. Magno watch. Welcome. You join us here on Magno watch. We're looking for some Magnos here. And it's a little little watch. You press a button and it becomes a, a high-powered magnetic field. I thought, well, that's going to have to come up later, surely. And what's really handy about this magnetic field is that it responds to just, like, the metal bit that you want. Like, you no, I want that, no, that bit over there. Yeah. And then that, that's the bit that will come over. It just it won't, knows. Like, pull out your fillings <laughs> or something like that. It knows. It's, it's a very plot-convenient magnetic watch. Also, as well, the little I know about magnets, I am impressed by any time device that manages to continue functioning while having high-powered oh, military-grade yeah. magnets. That, that should them. surely fuck it up as a, as a timepiece. Definitely. You want to have a bit of travel insurance with all the coming and going they do in this movie is all I'm saying. I, I liked James Bond using it to unzip his lady friend's dress there. That was sheer magnetism, darling. Way. Sheer, yeah. Because yeah. I'm, uh, I'm using a magnet watch. Sheer magnetism. I would have preferred if she was wearing a sheer dress and then it actually that, would have been... That would have been... You know, yeah. polyester magnetism. <laughs> <laughs> Is he cleared that with her? Has he said, here, by the way, I've got this high power mag- magnet? And she's like, oh, all right, this is great. Because otherwise, he's basically like, look, I've got the force. And she's going to be really scared by that. Like, well, no, she's you- like, oh, it's such a delicate touch. She doesn't realise that he's not using his hands. He's using a magnet watch. Wow. Which, you know, seems deceptive. But I think in the context of James Bond, probably not the worst thing he's ever done, is it? I, I do like that the movie, even though... I think this is like PG or 12. Like it considers mm. itself a not violent or not gaudy Bond movie. Mm. But we do have some little ones in here. I couldn't tell if some of these were on purpose or if I'm just like so wary to pervert Bond that I was looking out for it. Because you have him doing sheer magnetism and then it cuts to Solitaire doing tarot and she goes, a man comes. And I was like, all right, oh, Jesus. No, that's def- that's not, definitely Not getting me on the head Surely here Surely that's supposed to be in there. A great eruption. A sticky. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> a big hard willy coming out. <laughs> a ruined towel. <laughs> I quite liked the dissolve between the tarot cards as he's flying over. That was quite. Yeah. I thought that was quite a fun device to have the prediction of this man coming across the water. I think Solitaire is one of my favourite Bond girls slash villains, mm. and I think very often your faves are the ones you grew up with. And I right. think that if you were on a video that I had, chances are that would mean you're my favourite Bond villain, you're my favourite Bond girl, or you're my favourite James Bond, hence the, the heavy Roger Moore rotation in my particular household. Yeah. I have got, in this movie, quite a few favourite like random goons and guys with one oh, line or two. some great goons. Exquisite goons in this movie. And I think this is when Bond... I swear the Connery Bonds aren't this cartoony. Because you've seen Goldfinger, right? You've seen some of the classic... Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people asking why Goldfinger wasn't on the list. I've seen it. Y- he's seen it. I've seen it. I had to but see it. a bit more straight-laced than... You know, is it because it's James Bond's going to America, so we have to expect a big old adventure? I think so. And this is the debut of of Moore. This is his first Bond. So, and I I find it interesting that obviously that's not acknowledged in any way. And going forward after this, it's it's never been acknowledged that James Bond just becomes another actor. It's not part of the 
plot. It's James, your voice has changed, yet you're still incredibly committed to not changing it in any way whatsoever it's, it's for not, any of your yeah, roles. It's not what? acknowledged, but it's also not entirely ignored, and it's not like you're pretending to be the same person. The personality does change a bit. I thought you would say he's not pretending to be the saint, and I'm like, he's exactly the same as the saint. <laughs> he is the He's exactly 100% the same as the saint. But I think it's just an interesting thing, that, that this was Roger Moore's debut, and it, it feels like a, I would imagine, kind of a, a shift. But yes. not not in a grand, da-da-da, here's Roger Moore, just, we're changing things up a bit. Whoa, things are getting, getting people crazy. people are talking about the silly bonds, Mm. It tends to be more like the silly Bond that always comes to everyone's mind. It's Moonraker because yeah. it's Bond in space. That's a Roger Moore one. Another one that I think is really silly and probably a lot of it is because Roger Moore is so old in it and it also has Christopher Walken as the villain. A View to a Kill. Again, right. very, very silly Bond movie. Not the least of which because Duran Duran do the song for it. We are, who are, and I quote, a very silly band. That's <laughs> what the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame said about Duran Duran. So I think this here is probably probably I would say number three in terms of silly bonds oh it's quite if, silly if we're not including late 90s early 90s excess as being silly because in that case Die Another Day is the silliest stupidest bond by far but this is kind of like campy silly right this is kind of oh yeah yeah. this is all I would say knowingly silly would you say like 60s Batman is knowingly silly and people didn't yeah. cop yeah, it's, on it's, to it's, that it's fact it's playing up to the whole the notion of Bond and the, the the grandness of these gadgets and these plots and these characters and these henchmen and all this stuff is is, is kind of borderline cartoonish in a in a fun and way. Some point in the sixties, or maybe even before, or maybe as late as the seventies, mm-hmm. someone asked themselves. What would it be like if James Bond went to Harlem and he had all sorts of, of, of adventures there? And I'm sure since that first meeting, much less racist versions were workshopped. And what we have here is a fairly clumsy representation of 70s Harlem, which is mostly put together from not someone who's watched a lot of, like, say, black exploitation movies or things like that, but has been told about them from a friend who has seen them. Yeah, I, th- it's, there's a lot going on here. Here. A little bother, in James's own words, is what we have here. <laughs> a little bit. I did enjoy the sequence where his taxi driver gets shot with a, a dart or something. or a, It looks like a tranquilizer dart, but I think it just fucking kills the guy. That was when I quote, a white pimp mobile rode up alongside them. Yes. I didn't think there'd be as much crossover between this and Norbit. After Norbit, I was saying to myself, at least next, we're doing a bomb movie for Swirl, so mm. there'll be none of this silly pimp chat or any of this <laughs> awful muck we have to deal. Oh no! We're we, here! We hear pimp mobile at least once. Maybe a and couple of the times. the lifts in the shoes and the feathers <laughs> in the hat like butter wouldn't melt in their mouths. Yes. Also, just to establish, there's a character called Dr. Kananga. Kananga, yes. Oh, was he a doctor or a mystery? Because at one point, I swore they called him doctor, and then they're like, Mr. Kananga and his interest. I'm like, wait, is he, has he lost the doctorate? He's like, like Roger Moore, he's Sir Dr. Mr. Kananga. Ah, I the, see. I think he's the president of a Caribbean island who's visiting the United Nations. So he's there, and he's connected to all these murders that have happened. So agents have been murdered. They think he's connected, trying to figure it out, and James Bond ends up in Harlem. With a lot of CIA help as well. It's weird that all the guys in his ears and all of Bond's, like, friends and confidants, they're all these, like, very stereotypical, like, guys pulled straight out of a 70s American police procedural. Like, they're just guys in brown suits and yellow shirts with their hands on their hips, wearing bell bottoms. So, like, it is weird not having Bond's Bond buddies. You know, the usual Bond ensemble. Bond's Bond buddies. 
for this. That's yeah. Bonds bond buddies. They're bonding. They're bonding. They're all bonding together. Bond's in the back of a taxi, right? Again, yep. he's following some of these lads from the shop he was in in Harlem, and he's going after him. It's not just any shop because it's in Harlem. It's a voodoo, it's a voodoo shop. shop. And he's telling the taxi driver to tail him, and there's an extra twenty in it for you. And the taxi mm. driver, the black taxi driver, says, "Hey, man, for twenty dollars." I'd take you to a Ku Klux Klan cookout. Eek. Uh, okay, <laughs> sure. And there's, there's like... That's probably the most on-the-nose, like, I'm a black person in America line in the movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's I a bit clumsy. There's <laughs> some clumsy stuff, sure. Or a lot of these people on the streets are all communicating with each other. Everyone seems to be connected. Lots of, like, honky and cue ball are used to refer to James Bond here. Because that he's, he's in Harlem. You know what? I love... Honky as a slur. It's it's the honky is so fucking funny to me. Mm. Mainly because I don't even know if the story is true. I had heard in school that the reason that honky was used was that when white people would move into certain neighborhoods, folks there would notice that they would honk the horns on their cars a lot when they were <laughs> right. outside, and it was really ignorant and they hated it. And I'm like, honky. that is probably one of the if that's like a, a white people thing, that's probably one of our worst traits. And yeah, lampoon us. We should. Yeah. Stop us. <laughs> Go for it. The James walks into this restaurant called the Filet of Soul. He goes in. Everyone's staring at him because he, I mean, he's, he, he sticks out is what's happening. And he's put in a booth seat, right? And this... Did you expect what was going to happen no, here to happen? No, Because you thought there would be a oh. whole bit with him and the bartender and he'd be oh. like, I don't certainly fit in here. And we get none of that well, instead. He, he, he starts <laughs> doing a bit where he's like, I, I'll have this and something on the side information as he's handing over money and you think that's going to go into this bit where he's trying to buy his way towards finding out what's going on but the the waiter who comes over just walks off and the the whole booth rotates the wall rotates it's all a bit like blind date it's like itv studio audience show kind of thing. oh see i didn't get i didn't get blind date from it i got like the the guy whose job it was to write this movie was meant to watch like you know shaft and a bunch of things like that and instead he just watched loads of scooby-doo with his kids and he's like yeah you know when you you go down to those mean guys in Harlem, and you're just like sitting in their boots, and they they go, they spin around. Oh, I don't know. I was I was down Harlem, and one of those you know scary looking customer, and he had a bookshelf which he just pulled one of the the books on it. It spun around. Dodgy customers, indeed. Yeah. And he was actually the janitor from the fairground, so that was really <laughs> strange. But the, the the whole wall in the booth rotating to put Bond into like a not not a secret lair, but a secret office at least. It's a base, um, at least. It's a base, and so the. the there's all these lads here in the base who represent a guy called Mr. Big. Oh, he sounds like a big oh, shot. Mr. Big will be with you soon. And Bond, who's in this situation, oh, these lads are armed. He just gets up and starts chatting to Solitaire, who's there. Chan's putting it nicely. Bond literally turns around and it's like, I don't recognise that I have went into a place and been captured or have been you know, brought into a base against my will. What has happened for me, James Bond, is I've walked into a random bar and my good fortune is such that literally <laughs> the wall turned around to present a nubile woman for with I can flirt outrageously. I suppose it's kind of an optimistic British attitude. They're like, oh, good. <laughs> this is what's happening now. I- there's, 
these men with guns at him and he's like, look at this card. It says that you and I are banging tonight, sweetheart. Like, yeah, so he doesn't really fun. appreciate the severity of the situation. He, he just does not. Fun. No, not, uh, not even when the claw man comes in. He's a very serious customer. And don't be fooled by his name, T-He. Which I forgot that was his name. And because I was watching this with subtitles on, I thought that there was someone who was just like having a bit of a laugh. Kind of going, come on, Mr. Bond, you don't expect me to take you. T-He. <laughs> He's got a, a claw hand thing and he bends Mr. Bond's gun out dun, of shape. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it's a strong, strong claw. It feels like that's like what my brother would try and do to my character. Like if if, if my character had a gun in, 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 in Goldeneye, he would find a character who would like break the gun <laughs> so I couldn't shoot back. Hey, here's, here's a, uh, one for you. James Bond not knowing what the phrase wasting means, which yeah, is really come on. I think if you're a, a you know a proper MI6 agent, you're gonna have some lessons in terms for things that are used in different areas, right? Surely, particularly come on. In, in excellent dialogue like names is for tombstones. Oh, Waste I... this hunky. <laughs> names is for tombstones, baby. Is oh. su- such a good line. And what's your name? Names is for tombstones, baby. <laughs> ah. Oh, Please, names is for tombstones is my father's name. I'm just Toomey. <laughs> and also, Solitaire does a pretty solid dunk because James is there trying to be flirty, turning over the cards. He turns over one. It's the fool. And she says, you found yourself. Oh! oh! Dunk! Oh! But yeah, so James gets taken outside to be wasted, whatever, yes, whatever that means. Very important about this is that Bond is taken outside with two men who have him at gunpoint. Mm. It's at this point that Bond meets a friendly agent who's there to help him, but not until it's very clearly established that Bond was able to save himself without any outside assistance. The man shows up and he's like, oh, I was here to save you, but you managed to do it yourself, I guess, James. Good job. Yeah. I th- yeah, I didn't really think about that, but that is strange that, like... Because I, I even wrote down in my notes, like, oh, this, this CIA agent helps him get out of a spot of bother. He doesn't really. He's just there after James has already got himself out of the trouble. Is it right to say that the age of, like, the relentlessly capable protagonist like this mm. is kind of, like, over? Because I've not seen any of the Daniel Craig Bonds, but I imagine he has, like, he's sweating a lot and oftentimes he's a bit dirty and he's got, like, you know, a cut sometimes in this. some of those movies. And, you know, some of the movies have names like Quantum of Solace, which I can't imagine was nice for James. No. But, like, he, there's no sweat on James Bond in this movie at all. This guy is fucking coasting through it there's no real like vulnerability to him he always but well i say he always seems to know what he's doing he does sometimes usually when speaking to the ladies have a bit of a kind of clumsy buffoonish quality to him a little bit but in still in kind of a fun endearing way i think you're not meant to relate to bond i don't think because like there are spills and chills in this but it's not because you think oh no james bond's going to die it's because you're like oh if i was doing that i'd die but i'd be fucked (laughs) James is fine He's like What were you even worried about Of course I can drive this boat Hey So after James has got out of that spot of bother With no help of the CIA agent Who we're introduced to We're introduced to one of our villains here Very interesting villain Baron Samadhi. The mysterious Baron Samadhi, who I wrote down, I promised myself I wasn't going to make a comparison to Papa Shango, and doing that, I accidentally wrote down Papa Shango, and then erased yeah. it, and then rewrote it down, as this is so heavily lifted from in the world of wrestling, lifted from this. But I mean, yeah, Baron Samadhi was in Goldeneye, I'm pretty sure. And I remember I loved playing as him, because he was one of the more interesting looking, not just a guy in a suit. He had a yeah. top hat and a skull and all that jazz. He's the voodoo god of 
cemeteries the man who cannot die and i th- i think that like voodoo stuff is probably one of like the last bits of like stereotypical portrayals of black culture i think it's one of like it's one of the most enduring ones Mm. because like there's lots of stuff that folks reckon like kind of cannibal tribe type of i don't know a lot of that kind of representation kind of it is it's obviously an important part of culture in parts of the world but i don't think baron semity is necessarily a very uh, very loving rendition of like because like voodoo is is just viewed as this kind of like kitschy kooky thing here it's actually like essentially a religion in parts of the world and it's it's a, an age-old thing, and it's kind of just harvested for cheap wah factor here. Because he literally just goes to the camera and goes, wah! <laughs> yeah, he, t- he does, yeah. I think this is not the only film or piece of media by a massive stretch that does this. No, and in the 70s, this is, like, par for the course. This is almost like, you a, know. a trope in terms of you just want a bit of mysticism. Ah, it's, it's voodoo, ah, you know. But, I mean, Zibaran Samadhi is here, and he's introduced this voodoo character, but also... So he is dancing in a hotel for tourists. So I'm not I'm not fully sure what's what's going on or what his deal is at this point. I don't really know. So I remember seeing the movie after having played Goldeneye. Mm. And I also remember being really disappointed when I finally saw the movie about how like shit Baron Samity was for lack of a better term and the fact that he's not the main villain he doesn't like do very he's in it like for five minutes really and then I came around on him in, in my teen years where I was like no he's cool because he's like Boba Fett in the fact that he does very little but he's actually the coolest but unlike Boba Fett time has not been kind to Baron Samity so I don't think that we'll ever <laughs> see him replicated or depicted ever again probably he's the most potentially interesting in the any kind of supernatural stuff I don't yeah. think has ever come into Bond really Other than, I mean here they really are like yeah. not in a wink he's actually magic yeah. and also as well Solitary we should point out her tarot reading they do explicitly say it's like it's a voodoo magic power that she has inherited from her mother so that's like they're saying that in Bond clairvoyance is real and this yeah. immortality gimmick we can assume as well is also real. But th- that never comes back. And like Baron Samadhi, spoiler alert, is alive at the end of this, but he he never recurs. He never comes back again, as far as no, I can tell. No, he just has a, a big a browse laugh. of Wikipedia. He just has a big laugh. But yeah, it potentially could be steering Bond in a different direction. I don't think it ever quite goes there into full on like. No, we just go to space territory. instead. Yeah, like, that's, that's, that's like, you know, fine. It's it's grandly firmly in reality in space. That's really, what we're being about. in space is more grounded. <laughs> than, than this. James arrives at this hotel and discovers that Mrs. Bond has already arrived. But you know my feelings on monogamy. (laughs) And James in his luggage has got all sorts of like detectors and beep boops and doodads that he's Uh, using. You mean his wireless devices? He's got wireless devices for just putting little pressing buttons, hearing noises. Don't know what he's doing. He orders the, the James Bond special other than the shaken, not stirred martini. Uh, which is Bollinger, which is James 
Bond's brand of champagne. The martini doesn't come up in this, does it? No, he doesn't go There's for no a martini. Not stirred. The, the martini thing—they've actually—it's really interesting in Bond. And I've—I don't think I've seen all the Bond movies. Obviously, mm. I've, I've not. With, I'm missing lots of ones besides the Daniel Craig's. But I know that they've went back and forth a few times on whether or not, like, we're going to do shaken not stirred, right. or we're going to do the names Bond, James Bond. Dramatic pause. Like, I know there's been times where, like, no, we're going to be more serious. He's not going to do that. So it is quite telling that in the first Roger Moore one, even though we're being very silly, he doesn't have the martini shaken, not stirred. No, I wonder. Some... Yeah, he has lots of different drinks. Maybe they're like, oh, Bollinger is going to be his thing because, like, I remember I had Bollinger champagne once. I was working as an animal welfare researcher, and the lady who funded it, who mm. was a, a millionaire of much means, she had like she had expensive taste, and she had like a big cabinet full of Bollinger champagne. Ooh. So one time when I met her we had the Bollinger champagne and it was so tasty that genuinely I thought I might try and become a spy of sorts in order to facilitate more exactly for queen and country no for lots of champagne (laughs) (laughs) so he's he's drinking champagne in the bath no, he's, he's shaving in the bath. He's got some champagne. He's having a bath, right? James is having a bath. Shaving in the bath is great. I only actually did it for the first time ever this week. And it's oh. great. It's yeah. great. Oh, what? Did you have one of those little shelves with a mirror on it? Yeah, I've got Joe the intern ah. special bath caddy a while ago. And it was good there for my accoutrements. Mm. I am now a freshly shaven bath boy like James Bond. I felt like James Bond when I was in the bath having oh. a shave. There were no snakes, though. Like no this. snakes. A fucking hell. A snake being snuck in through this little hole in the bathroom while he's having a bath. And I always appreciate any time a snake appears and they do a long, like, like a special yeah. instrumentation for the snake snake noise The room service lad is the bloke who shot the taxi driver from earlier, and he's got a really croaky voice. I later realised like what that's connected to. He's referred to this henchman as Whisper because he's like, oh, James, uh, I've got you. Your champagne, sir. Shall I open it? I was going a bit Yorkshire with what I was like, James, I've got your champagne. James, <laughs> Where do you want me to put it? Got, uh, James, I've got your champagne ready. <laughs> Will you want to come down for it? Away, James. Come on, get your champagne and get He loves his bolly when we watch the one show. (laughs) He's got a cranky voice. He's called Whisper. And you know what's great about Whisper? Every single line of dialogue he says in the movie, I know this, someone goes, excuse me? Or goes, pardon? He's never heard the first time ever, and I like that. You know what? (laughs) I beg your pardon. (laughs) What? (laughs) James is smoking a big old fat cigar, which I thought, that almost seems, is that in character for James Bond? I can't remember. Does he smoke big cigars? He does all the shit that men are meant to do. Like, Mm. you know, here I am with my cigar. Here I am watching the omnibus of Top Gear from the good old days. Here I am with my collection of boutique gins that I've got from a subscription service. (laughs) He's got his big cigar, right? And he's got like a can of deodorant, and he sees in the mirror the snake sneaking up on him. And he fucking he sprays the deodorant on the lit cigar to create that kind of flamethrower situation. What a what a snake! Ah, yeah. Forget about it. I love animals as is established yeah. but if we can put the charred snake to one side for a second okay save it for later that, that S- looks S- delicious S- S- <laughs> but but isn't he such a top bloke that he 
invented one of the most top log things ever, which yeah. is setting fire to a can of aerosol. I wonder if later he threw it on a, on a dimly lit campfire and watched from afar if it would explode. James Bond, the patron saint of ill-advised boyish instincts. Was he doing it with Lynx Africa? No, but it, he set the template. He was the blueprint for this kind exactly. of hijinks. Yeah. You know, do this in memory of me. <laughs> and so we meet Rosie Carver who comes in holding a gun. Uh, she says that she's been sent to help him by the CIA. Mm. But I, I don't know how legitimate that is. Some more quips from Bond here. Oh, this is the best quip in the movie because her whole thing is she's meant to be scared of all the voodoo warnings that have been put out to scare him away. Very mm. Scooby-Doo this. Scare him away. Like, what, is there some land that they don't want us to see? Yes, there is. There's land on an island they don't want them to see. They're trying to scare them away. <laughs> but she's scared because she sees a small hat with a feather in it and a splattering of blood. And we get a, a devilish little bit of commentary here from him when she's like, ah! And he's like, come on, my dear. There's nothing to fear here other than a small-headed man of limited means who lost a fight to a chicken. <laughs> it's a long quip. It's a, it's it's a, a cumbersome long, quip. There's like, now, for most people, and dare I say, wrong side of the bed, Sean Connery would have had to take in a breath in the middle of this quip. <laughs> But Connery, that's one quip in one breath. Yeah. So uh, the the quip I was thinking about was when she gets scared by the snake in the bathroom, and he says, "Oh, I should have told you. You should never go in there without a mongoose." Way. Come on, mate. Come on. What's that? A little oh, bit of zoology geez. humor there. A little bit of an ecosystem play there is what he's done. So this hat is a warning. It's a vo- it's a voodoo warning. Okay. It's a voodoo warning. Beware the small bloody feathered hat. There could be danger afoot if that is anywhere. I mean, I'm sure there's lots of innocent reasons why that could happen. Like you know, I know oftentimes that may seem like a very small hat, but that could actually be a headband that's meant to look like a small hat yeah. for an Alice in Wonderland themed party that's went awry. Isn't it? It's went awry. All sorts of possibilities as to why that could be happening. Don't jump to voodoo conclusions. Also, I'm pretty sure, not exactly sure, but I'm sure if Johnny Depp had children, he'd make him wear these. He would. And he'd be like, yes. you're not wearing the hat. I'm very annoyed. Put it on. I'm sorry, Dad. Like, I'll wear the terrible hat you make me wear. Like, all sorts that he'd be up to, you know? Uh, now, what I like here is that Bond, once again, with his good fortune, uh-oh, oh there's a lady here who's literally on her hands and knees crying and begging him not to leave and to have sex with her. Please, Mr. Bond, if you don't stay and have sex with me, the voodoo man will come and get me. We'll have to stay in the same in bed because I'm scared to not be in bed with someone. Please, Mr. B- uh, I mean, playing right into James Bond's hands there, taking advantage of a vulnerable lady. What's happened here with James is that there's too many situations that are like a bit eyebrow raising. Like he he hasn't got a quip for that. Like he's just like, no. Uh, all right, yeah, yeah sure, like, okay. He can't he can't keep up. Like, you know, he absolutely can. There's too much going on for even more to keep up with. So the next morning, they're off out on a fishing boat. Yeah, I've got, I've got a, a joke for you here. Yeah? Rosie and Jim on a boat. Here you go. Hey! 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 Oh, wonderful hey. stuff. I- Rosie and Jim. Rosie and Jim. Rosie and Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I love that Rosie figures out that there's something up with this captain on this boat and sort of prepares to, like, maybe shoot him. But he's actually Bond's mate. He's actually 
the, the mate that he shares this hairbrush communicator with. It's fun, though. It means you can walk around a dirty old docks and look at some dirty old tugboats like this or crusty old barnacle busters. I'm try- We've had a lot of chat about, like, about bust-up car names like Jalopy and Lemon oh, and whatnot. Oh, bust-up boat names. I don't know if there's any bust-up boat names. Nah. Like, oh, that's an old steam tube clunk ass. So, yeah, what, you know, what's a those. schooner? A schooner <laughs> is just a, it's just it's a, a type, type of boat. boat. It's just yeah. a type of boat. Okay. It's like a hooker, basically. Mm. But I wonder if you go buy some of them old rust bucket of bolts if they are full of spy shit too well well, maybe i like to imagine now i'm gonna go down the dock sometime have a think now if we had any reason to suspect that rosie was not who she says she is Hmm. uh, karanga is chatting to solitaire and being like rosie is more efficient than we expected (laughs) you said that so fast it said like you were saying karang like mr karang karang magazine has got a little article mr karang is the guy with the brown paper He's there. Classic Bond villain, Mr. Correct. Sorry. Karanga is there chatting to Solitaire. <laughs> Karang and Scuzz are having a lovely chat. And Q was there too! <laughs> Q. You have nothing to fear from me, Mr. Bond. I'm simply your enemy. <laughs> dad oh. jokes for dads! Oh, wonderful stuff. But the you know, main villain Karanga is like Look, Rosie is more efficient than we thought, establishing that she is actually one of the baddies. Yep. And so, you know... And he's what? like, oh, what's the what's the tarot card saying? The solitaire, what's it saying? And she pulls out the lover's card. But, but she pretends it was the death card because she doesn't want to reveal that there's some sweet love happening yeah she is uh thinking about jb and mm. uh, she's not she's not in the market for sportswear that's all i'm saying <laughs> speaking of fucking wear full stop yeah. the morning wear of james bond i hazard to guess that you're a precious sean connery who the only quip or joke he told was when he's like can you imagine i was james bond all those years and none of those fuckers even figured out how bad i was at it but he couldn't pull off a morning wear like this the flares of the powder blue suit of roger moore come on people beautiful stuff also so beautiful stuff when he's going to suggest to have sex again with rosie he also suggests having pate as well which is like that's just great snack great combo great job james yeah in a little hamper in the back of the car he's got some some snacks very, Very well Did, prepared. Do you think jo- James prepares his own hampers? Oh, if he's got a hamper guy. Or if he's got a hamper guy, like, or yeah. like a service, you know. I don't know. Do MI6, I don't think MI6 is, like, catered. I think it's self-catering. I think you have to BYOF. <laughs> like, I, I like the idea that they ne- they try very hard to make you sure that Bond doesn't really try. But, I mean, it'd be very unglamorous if there was a long scene of Bond putting knickknacks into a wicker basket, like, and, you yeah. know. It's always like, oh, that was very fortuitous there, Bond. But I think he tries a lot harder than he lets on. Well, he's not got it from fucking Harrods or something, mate. He must, it must have come from somewhere. He, I think he's done it himself. And you know what? He looks after himself because when he was in that bath earlier, he didn't... Re- I mean, I wouldn't have shaved if I was like him. No, you'd you just... Know? Yeah, for the I mean, for the purposes of that mission, especially. He's a well-dressed man, is Roger Moore. We can all agree upon that. We can. And he's, he's sussed that Rosie's up to no good. And they're lying down on a little blanket. And we get Roger Moore with no shirt on, pointing a tiny little gun at a lady. Uh, but she's freaked out by these scarecrow 
things. But he very casually threatens to kill her. Oh, yeah. He's like, oh, well. Very casually threatens. Yeah. Joe, the intern, walked in on this scene and she hadn't seen earlier bits of the movie. And she just saw Bond, like, with no context to this. And she she was fucking chilled. She's like, what is this weird snuff Bond you're watching where he's just like, now sleep with me or I'll kill you. (laughs) He's very, (laughs) very, very scary Bond. He's more like, tell me what's going on here. And she's like, I'll be killed. She's like, well, I, I will also kill you. So He cocks you know. the gun when she gasps. If you yeah. cock a gun in response to a gasp, you're a bad man. So when he's doing that, right, the, the live and let die music is creeping in. And as it's coming in and Rosie's gasping and he's pointing the gun, he says, make your choice. But he says it in the rhythm of live and let die. He goes, make your choice. And it's got the <laughs> da da da. Da, 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 da. I, they must have edited that perfectly so it goes make your choice no da, 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 what, what happened da, da. Yeah. is before that scene they said hey Roger do you want to listen to the new track that some band called Paul McCartney and the Wings and, have, wings. Uh, and yeah. the Wings have made and do you want to listen to that and he goes oh yeah yes that sounds very good please and he listens to it and then it's in his head and then later on he gets the bit like if I podcasted an hour earlier I would have been like and we're back Sam initial gun reaction <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't have though if I, I waited an hour, didn't I? Yeah, you had a cool down period. Rosie's off. She's running away. This voodoo head scarecrow thing with cameras and a gun mouth shoots her. She's been shot. She's dead, right? And Bond. The next thing we see of Bond after Rosie, who he, he got on with, had you know a, a lovely evening with, was quite attached to it. Seemed the next thing we see of Bond is him fucking paragliding while smoking a cigar <laughs> very casually a woman's died but he's just he, he brushes it off he's just having a nice is it paragliding or hang gliding he's in a he's basically attached to a kite i said he was stogie kiting which is what i thought <laughs> the name of that particular activity is but it is uh, very sad to see you know that rosie very cruelly was just cut down like that in the prime of her life yeah. killed by a coconut square crow <laughs> In the heart of this island. <laughs> Not a great death for that character, is it? To be, no, uh, but it is a great scarecrow. And I won't be throwing yeah. away my coconut husks anytime soon this Halloween. It's scary. A great scene here is James, he's on the paraglider, hang glider thing, coming down and just very gently comes up behind a guard and, and punts him in the head. <laughs> as he's Very just, gentle. Kicks him I, off I, a cliff. I want to do that in a video game. So funny. Like, you know what I think? I've gotten so many tweets from when we've done the Bond vote and mm. you know uh, it's it's inevitable as we said at the start that I'm going to get hundreds of tweets until this episode is out of people saying why is this not on it why is that on it why is yeah, this yeah. not on it but I would say a good 30% of the tweets that I've gotten are from people who've just been saying From Russia With Love was a really great James Bond video game that gets overlooked a lot yeah, because yeah. if you if you know Goldeneye classic and all that but From Russia With Love I think tried a bit harder to make you feel like, like James Bond but it was making you feel like Connery why and I'd love there to be an exquisitely accurate Roger Moore James Bond video game where yes. it's all like karate chops and sailing on a kite and things like that, you know, yeah. quip generators, etc. That kick felt so satisfying to just gently drift behind someone just boop off. The, it was like, you know, if you ever played the game Worms, yes, you know, if you manage to knock someone off a cliff with just the, the finger poke and you and get that boop and they just <laughs> hang on, hang on. Off. That it was like that level of satisfaction, no! just gently scoop up behind him, <laughs> boop, off you go, off a cliff. Wonderful stuff. No! 
<laughs> right, I, I, I'm yeah. talking a little bit here about Bond disrespecting the tarot cards. Because yeah. he is adamant that he's going to have sex with this woman who reveals that she is a virgin. And also that the power, the secret to her power is her virginity. And mm. I quote, physical violation cannot be undone. That is something that she says. Uh. And Bond's there like going through the tarot cards going, way, the tarot, what's that remind you of? Way. Or like, way, the sausage cart. What's this remind you of? Way. <laughs> well, he's, he's, he's even dressed up in her gear. He's got her like gown on or something. He's dicking around with all these cards. Look at me in your silly, silly gown. He asks her to pick one and she picks the lover's card and he very, very carefully drops all the cards for the camera to reveal that they're all, they're all lover's cards. He's See, made again, them. Bond's did, trying hard, isn't did he? Did he do that? Did he, to the did scene he go of to a fucking print shop and have those made up? No, he didn't go to a print what shop, Sam. There? He just he just bought 52 packs of tarot cards. Right. That's all he did, you yeah. know? I, anyway. And the scene, of course, of Bond carefully finding the lover's card from each deck and building up his own large deck of there just lover's cards. And another. If only I could get that kiss. <laughs> <laughs> and it fucking works somehow. Like, he's not had much interaction with Solitaire other than being like, pick a card. It's the one for fucking let's go what it is Sam is I think she can sense with her clairvoyance she can sense his desperation and she (laughs) feels sorry for him so yeah Uh, well they have sex they do and he has sex with her until she no longer has her power that makes her all powerful so thanks for that Bond I mean sure I mean is that part now Kevin I'm going to play the the devil's avocado here please do is that actually a tactical spy thing that he's done there (laughs) to disarm her power or is he just trying to get his end away or is he trying to be like ah she's got this power I'm going to disable it the only way I know how with my spy willy all this made me really think is that I really want to see James Bond come up against like Poison Ivy from Batman and Robin and just try his usual shtick and just see him die over and over and over again but like it is I don't think it's tactical I think he's just like James Bond with wax lips on would be very Oh, Batman and Robin has got big Roger Moore energy for sure. It is. has, yeah. But yeah, I I think Bond here is just like, no, I'm just you know taking her virginity, and it's kind of he's a bit clumsy where he's like, don't worry, everyone has a first time, you know. He's he's a bit kind of like. Uh, this was the least sexy of Bond's many encounters. He's talking about, like, lover's lessons to teach her. Which I just... I, I don't know how old Roger Moore is here, but he look—he doesn't look young. He doesn't look like a... Why, Sam, I believe I'm old enough to be her father. Uh, yeah. I he, mean... And you know what? He, he only gets older as well. That's the problem. That's the one chink in the armour for, for Roger Moore. He gets old. He starts off old and he only gets Continues older. Continues to get older. And you know what? For a while, the makeup technology kept pace with the aging process. But by the time there we came point. to view to a kill, it really was a tipping point of sorts. Sure. We see a little... So, like, Baron Samadhi doesn't do anything. <laughs> he has a good old laugh. He's hanging out in a graveyard playing a little flute. Woo-hoo. That is also a radio for communicating and saying, oh, he's, it bonds up to no good. They are kind of... They do the little they show you of Baron Samadhi, They want you to be sure that you know that he is 
part of this like they say like oh we have the heroin trade that we're doing here and it's all kept in place by all these parts of our operation the most important of which is the voodoo influence from from Baron Samadhi and I'm not sure if they're saying like Scooby Doo wise as you would think here he's got a fucking secret flute that he mm. can talk into that's like ah we're doing this voodoo nonsense to scare the locals away so we can grow heroin or if they're saying no he literally has a magical hole that allows us with his voodoo powers and also his micro technology to have a have all this the, heroin grown the problem with roger moore bond and all the quips and lines and stuff is when you said secret flute i pictured roger moore bit well I, i've got a secret flute that's uh, uh it's just... the secret flutes the willy in my trousers <laughs> He does a he does one quip about like no point in going in half cocked when he's when they're about to have sex like and then he turns around and he's like I'm just saying that my cock isn't like I've not had an accident or anything at all (laughs) it's an entire willy Hmm? I've got the John and the Thomas. I just look, look. We know we need to expect kind of that Bond grossness. But Do you know what? The more you there talk is about fun to it, gross Bond. Yeah. The more you talk about gross Bond, I just imagine a group of horrible men with pints going. Uh, uh, <laughs> when someone <laughs> breaks the glass, what they, a lad! It's James Bond. If you break it's a glass. <laughs> No! Bond and Solitaire, they're running away. Following the coconuts. Yes, getting... uh, uh, Lover's lesson number four. Follow the coconuts. That's one of the lover's lessons that I have to teach you. They're running away. They get shot at in a field by a helicopter. And in order to get away, we would expect James Bond, you know, if he's going to commandeer a vehicle, we'd think, one of his Aston Martins, a fancy sports car... But not not a bus. Oh, no, no. Not a double-decker bus is what we get here from James Bond. It's full of surprises, this film. Yeah, more like live and let ride, am I right? Because yeah. he rides hard in this double-decker bus bike chase, which I enjoyed a lot. Mainly as well because I spotted quite a few Pepsi ads on this, on this island where uh. they were. It, it was a Pepsi island, not a Coke island. It was interesting that they had heroin and Pepsi, but no Coke. Two deeply addictive substances. You know, not, not directly directly comparable that's not what i'm saying and i mean like you know bond's come across a bit of a, a thing here you know where mm. he's seen all this you know this heroin being produced and like i remember when i first moved to this country like it was an epidemic i saw there were these poppies like everywhere and i was going up <laughs> screaming these are all on heroin every last one of them and sure <laughs> i went up God. to the city hall and there was <laughs> reeds of them high as a feckin kite they were and no one get no one turned a blind eye <laughs> and then they were at me to do it as well go on now you have a bit of this no thanks i'll be grand sure i'd have a jigger of rum on a weekend and that to do me and of course james bond manages to do some very fancy driving with this bus he spins it around we get Ooh. police bikes flying everywhere I, I tell you, this feels, this feels a bit like a, a bloody uh, a, a busman's holiday for for James right. Bond, doesn't it? Because uh, right? he, he's actually dri- he's driving a bus. What what does that what does that mean? A busman's it holiday? It means you're like doing work on holiday, or like you 
You're somewhere. Are the busmen and are the bus folk, the buslings, the are they expected holiday. to work on their holiday? Shall we find out what busman's holiday means? I was asking you. You're meant no, to know I, this I stuff. I said it, and I think I sort of know what it means, but I'm going to find out. Busman's holiday, a holiday or form of recreation that involves doing the same thing that one does at work. Oh, so okay. If you were like, oh, Kevin, let's go on a, a holiday, but I took you to a podcasting camp, and you had to do loads of podcasting. Oh, I see. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, this is a, this is a bit of a busman's holiday. I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I'm recording. I'm, I, that's what I do at work. Here's one I really need to and know. Things. Uh, and I've only heard it up here now in Manchester way. Yeah. I didn't hear it back down further south where we used okay. to live. But a Barney, he's having a bit of a Barney in there. I thought I was just hearing people say Marty, which we've asked about before on this. But a Barney, which is different. A Barney is kind of like a, a sort of angry temper tantrum almost it's, so it's like a know. less racist paddy is that what it is yeah yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Okay. Sim- ah. sim- similar design a barney yeah I-, I like when it's high irish immigration population that manchester kind of pivoted there i like that a little bit of a yeah. swing of the hips good job it's having a barney hey a low bridge sign he's in a double decker bus what's gonna happen what just shave just shaves the top of the bus off i think you mean sam that he uh removed the caramel uh, that's a double-decker joke. That's that's good, that. In this? That's, no, that's good, that. And you know what? It's been, like, years since I've had one. Like, I had nougat written down, question mark. Mm. You know, is the crisp there? Not at the bottom. You need that for sturdiness. It's one of those jokes that I will admit I didn't laugh at, but I appreciated the craft of. Thank it, you. Said, no, that is good, that. That it... Bravo. It's not so much like a joke as like a bit of carpenter's work where you kind of, you don't laugh at it because it's rude. You just kind of like check and you kind of admire it a little bit, like, you know? I would say if that was all, if those types of jokes were all you did, I would say, not a comedian, a humorist. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. Oh, I was really worried the other day about being downgraded from comedian to humorist, but you make me feel okay about it now. That's all right. You know, there's a real craft to it. You know, you can oh, see yeah. it artisan comedy that you like, uh, and a walnut finish as well. I mean, come on, <laughs> every joke has got that. Back to Norleans, where mm. he gets picked up at the airport by the evil taxi man, and James gets captured again. He gets captured almost as many times as he gets betrayed, and almost as many times as he has sex in this movie, which is a lot. So I just thought he he's captured right at the airport in the taxi. Taxi driver locks him in, and then takes him. To another airport, I think. Or another... Like, because then they go to the bit where they've got a plane. Is it? Or does, does the tax driver just take him round the back of the airport <laughs> to a different airport to a, bit? Or is this a separate a, airport? One of the, the, the airstrips. I've never thought about the geography of this scene. Like, where are they going from and to? They're going from the airport to the airport. Confusing as well, because when they were in the boat, and he was like, take us to New Orleans. And he was like, it'd be faster if we go to Tampa. I'm like, oh, wait, they do go to Florida later. And I'm like, wait, but now they're going to New Orleans first. So we go Harlem, New Orleans, Harlem Island, New Orleans, and then Florida. Like, we go... Bond is like Game of Thrones season 7 here. He's fucking everywhere and in between for no good reason. Yeah, it's it's a little bit confusing. And Solitaire turns on him. No! When... (laughs) When, you know, all the baddies are like, ah, we, ah we've got you, ah, we've got you. And she 
whack him. He's like, oh, James, you're going to go skydiving, mate. You're going to they're going to chuck you out of a plane because all, all these baddies they don't just want to shoot someone no, or stab no, no. them. They want to do a big dramatic death, and I think and that's you, their. You can downfall. appreciate the artistic flair in that, though, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're humorous in terms of the, the, the deaths that they want to produce. They've got they've got to have some real care. Into, you can't just shoot a man. You've like got if, to if, throw him out of a plane. Push came to shove, and you knew just like no escape, and you managed to somehow be in this position where you had mentally accepted that you were going to die right at this exact moment. Like, if they were like, we're going to kill you, yeah. right? And it's kind of like thuggish type of like, oh, they're going to get me. It's not like, oh, we're going to, you know, have a nice dignified death. And no. like, w- would you kind of insist on like, would you throw me out of a plane or give me a, give me a little bit of something, like a bit of flair here, you know? I'd, I'd say throw me out of a plane, but give me a skateboard. Oh! And because, because, Kevin, what if I land it? You know, what exactly. if I actually land it? I you don't could be lock the all sorts. I could just be spinning around the whole time. I'd be like, oh, Tony Hawk, 900? Take this. 9,000, mate. I've been spinning like nobody's business. If you landed that, the franchise would come back, Sam. That's what would basically... It would literally resurrect it. It would make all Tony Hawk rides functional. That's how <laughs> sick it would be. I was just saying, if you throw me out of an airplane, give me concrete shoes, just because, like, you know... Oh, so you go th- you go through a bit. Yeah, and also, as well, maybe later on someone's going to be sleeping with the fishes, and they can't, and they just have a nice swim uh, instead because of the altruist Kevin Mann. I see what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, maybe if I, if I knew I was going to die, and there was the option for a sort of... Not fun death, but... I mean, I wouldn't mind leaving a splat behind, is all I'm saying, yeah. though, you know? Yeah. I so love that, funny noises. I love a mess, you know? So maybe that would be a good legacy to have. At least he died in an interesting way. Oh, but, 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 don't mm. have it be like, oh, right, we'll drop you out of a plane, Kevin, but then all your loved ones have to scoop you up. No, 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 no. That's a start-to-end service here. That's implied. Yeah. And you scoop me. Yeah, you, you scoop me. You're not, you're not putting my family and friends through that after you threw me out of a plane at my request? No way! I'm not sure this situation's ever going to come up, but if it does, I'm now prepared. I now know what I want. I feel we've probably got at least one or two legal types who listen to this who've got like a rolling document for us with all of our requests. Yes. It's an active document, you know, we can all edit it. But James manages to get away, he manages to run away, gets into a plane of a student who is learning to fly a plane and he pretends to be the instructor. And it's, you know, it it was the fun in this kind of chase sequence with planes and cars to see a car crash into a little plane, like a little learning to fly plane, and the plane just crumples to bits. It just, it's like it's made of paper i loved that this this type of thing was really like reinvigorating me because i think the first hour of the movie yeah i i really struggled i had no fucking energy in me for for at all whatsoever i was just really like but once they started smashing shit up i was like wait a minute this is a very smashy bond more than most it gets a bit more chase heavy and smash heavy from the midpoint onwards I think and yes. there's some good stuff as he's trying to get out of a hangar they try and close the doors on him but it just clips the wings off so he's in this little plane with the wings clipped off which reminded me of the dodo plane from Grand Theft Auto 3 ah. which I wondered if that was a reference because it has clipped wings and you can't really properly fly because it's all fucked up and I went, is that yeah. a James Bond reference and you know what I am I wrong it could be it could be Scarface the world is yours but I'm sure one of the Grand Theft Auto 
Auto Games had the Axel Rose and Axel Guns and Roses Rose version of Live and Let Die on it. So that that again oh, yeah, is I think it did. A, another little bit of a wink and a yeah. nod, a bit of a how's your father? How about uh. that? But the phrase there, wings off. I mean, that's pretty much like what they said when it's like, sorry, wings <laughs> are off. It's going to be Paul McCartney, and then in a much smaller font. And we were thinking, you know, when you have an old operating system and you boot it up in safe mode, and there's that small pixelated square, almost like not font at all. That's what we're going to write wings in. And people would think, what number is that beside Paul McCartney? But it'll be wings, and that's all you're good for, wings. <laughs> so, after... <laughs> That's why, but that's how it went yeah. down, like. Yeah, know? yeah, that was the meeting. And um, after those wings have been chopped up, you hear um, Bond's little mate, not his little mate, uh, what's his, the, the guy in America who's just like on the phone all the time? Uh, it's the CIA. It's the CIA. He's like, oh, Mr. Bleeker, I know you can't just glue those wings back onto your plane, which I thought was a fun, like, th- someone has to deal with the calamity of Bond fucking things up. I just wish we got one scene where they were like, what's our man in America up to? You know, oh, he's breaking shit. What? You know, that type of a thing. A little bit of a callback here. James is back at the fillet of, or a different fillet of soul. Yeah, they're restaurant. a chain restaurant. And he's offered a booth against the wall, but he asks for somewhere else. Nah. Because, because in his words, I once had a nasty turn in a booth. Because it, it spanned round. Oh, yeah, it was awful, James. You turned around, you flirted with a sexy lady, then you killed a bunch of guys and got away scot-free. Oh, wh- what an awful bit of business that was. Now, here's something interesting in terms of music, because there is a singer on stage at this restaurant. You know there is, you know there is, you Missy, know there, there is. is. <laughs> and she is singing the Live and Let Die theme song. It's diegetic. So the theme from this film exists in the universe of this film. Does Paul McCartney and Wings exist? I guess so. It's, but this song exists not promoting a film, but just it's just been written and it, it, it exists. I just like that. I like when the, the theme song shows up in real, performed by someone. I, I, I thought that was a nice touch. But what was even nicer touch was as he's sitting watching this woman on the stage singing, he just sinks down through a trapdoor into a, an underground lair again. And we, we get this time, thanks for dropping in, baby. Which, oh, uh, yeah, it really reminded go. me of. The, I don't know if you ever watched The Prisoner. It's like one of my fave shows no. ever, and it just basically it's a spy, a bit of spy business. And the rule of it is, if they want to capture you, they will absolutely capture you. And I, I like that that spirit was here. Where look, we've got loads of ways to get him. The the toilet, if he goes in for a piss, <laughs> we've got a big tube that'll come down. If <gasps> if he orders a sandwich, it's a really big sandwich that'll eat him. We can just wheel him out the back. You know, we, we we'll get him. Worst case scenario, we'll put him in a bin bag and hoist him in the back of a truck or something. We'll get him. Don't worry, we'll get him. We didn't get the famous order of, of Dry Martini. No. His, his, his CIA buddy orders for him. He's like, oh, live a little. Let's have two Cesaracs, please. And I looked it up. Cesarac is What's a... Cesarac is like a whiskey sours, but it's made with Norland's Cognac Brandy. It's a play on the classic whiskey cocktail, which is brown and probably... the paint stripper probably you know mm. it'll put hairs on your chest but again that was very much like oh live a little i wonder if they were trying to say like ah it's a bit old hat that he orders the same drink let's make him a, like bond is is very much out in the open here he's in america in modern times and they try and like shake off the cobwebs and be like look bond's not a dusty old 60s thing he's in the modern world he drinks all sorts of things even though he doesn't get to drink his cesarac look spoilers in the daniel craig films bond is quite partial to a strongbow dark fruit it, you know he's, he's changed <laughs> As, as a man he evolves his, his t- 
his taste changed. I'm sure Pierce Brosnan was a Dutch gold man, but they wouldn't let him do it. Like, yeah, they just wouldn't let him do it. So down in this underground hidey hole now, Mr. Big, on behalf of Dr. Kerrang, points at Solitaire and says, and I don't like this, did you mess with that? Yeah, God, oh, he just gestures at her. Come on. Did you mess with that? And, and James Bond keeps saying, I, I shall only answer to Dr. Kananga. Not this man in terrible prosthetics. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I won't tell you. Just give me the, 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 the good doctor. And Mr. Big pulls off his face. Very, I mean, very Scooby-Doo. More like Mr. Big Reveal, am I right? Big, Mr. Big Reveal, he is Dr. Kerrang, not Scuzz as we had seen. And it's, yeah, it's just a, 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 you know, completely bamboozled Bond there. I know I love, I love so much that one of the random goons calls James Bond a pig. And it's just making me laugh so much. It's like, James Bond's a cop. Like, <laughs> whoa, I thought he was cool. <laughs> oh, and after this big reveal, Bond says, quite revealing. I mean, you know, okay. Now, the, the plan here, the drug plan. Oh, it's a big plan. To grow heroin in the poppy fields on this Caribbean island. Sorry, I'm doing a Shark Tank theme because this is a Shark Tank worthy big scheme with no real thought on the numbers. Hi, sharks. Uh, I'm uh, Dr. Uh, Kerrang. And look, I've got an island and I've got heroin. We've all got heroin. But what I'm suggesting is a kind of freemium model here where I give away the heroin in my restaurants for free in order to raise the number of heroin addicts and then once the competitors have been driven out, increase the price. Sorry, sorry, Dr. Kerrang there. Thank it's, you. Yeah, hi, I'm I'm the guy who wears that like cowboy shirt who's from Silicon Valley and I like to play a bad guy. Now, yeah. you're giving this away for free, but I was one of the original investors in Uber and... Um, yeah, well, you've never mentioned it. No, I just thought I'd bring that up and like, we've lot, we've never turned a profit. Right. Sure. I, no, I see I, I see what you're saying. We'd have to get a lot of angel investors involved in this early stage. Sorry, can I just interrupt you there, Dr. Krang? It's it's me, Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> uh, sure, Ashton. Uh, what, what do you have to contribute? Oh, no, I just like... Just, hello, it's me. No, I'm, no genuinely, all right, going to go deep dive now for the Shark yeah, Tank yeah. fans. Here you go. I want to say, Dr. Krang, what you're doing is, it's really impressive. I'm looking at these numbers here in this distribution model. It really is, um, mm-hmm. it's it's next level. Sam, you can, I'm doing the hand gestures and everything, right? You know, yeah. The, yeah, yeah. And the numbers are good, and I've got the money to invest, and I am a very successful... <laughs> very rich and successful. Very, I can do I, it. I, I'm very, very successful. I, I could do it, but for me, it's got to be about the fit, and if it's not the fit, then I can't do it. So I, I respect you, and I, I love you, but I, I, I'm actually... I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. Well, I'm out. Thank you for your time, Ash. Sam, I'm the guy who wants 20% of the <laughs> online. Could I have 20% of the online, please? <laughs> Like, look, <laughs> this this whole plan... It's bananas, it's bonkers, well, it's, it's, it's dumb bananas, dumb. it's bonkers, but it's all about getting that user base, right? Doubling the number of addicts Doubling in a year. Doubling the user base, and then raising the prices, then introducing your premium tier when people need it. This is what Spotify did. Come on. He's saying, like, there's going to be two monopolies in this country. The phone companies. I'm like, yeah, those bastards. And my heroin business as well. This is not what Bond normally deals with, is it? No, this is a very... I want to say a modern problem, but let's just mm. say it's a more contemporary problem, which which means the same thing, but just sounds nicer saying. Uh, so, but like, I think we are dealing with Bond, who's got like this isn't like I'm gonna drop a bomb and blow up the world unless I get a million dollars. This is like I'm going to 
make your fun addicted to heroin and then through ruthless dist- like he's got a great distribution model here this is where they explain yeah. now they're going to do it with the restaurants and they've got the island and the diplomatic immunity it's perfect it's a great scheme with which mm. to make drug addicts and a tidy profit not typically the work of specter now i'm confused by the methods through which Miss Dr. Kerrang, yeah. which is what I'm going to call him now, okay. tries to determine whether Solitaire has lost her power. He takes James Bond's watch and at some point must give it back later because or he has I it later on. Bond just gets free ones, does he? Well, I thought maybe, yeah. They just keep coming in the post. Maybe the watch just has a thing where it's like, oh, I'll use the magnet to go back to the metal <laughs> somewhere on James Bond. Walks over. Oh, it's yeah. back. It takes the watch off and then... It's like, right, if Solitaire gets this wrong, you're getting your fingers chopped off and then your dick, mate. What is the serial number on the back of this watch? Now, I don't know if the tarot card power encompasses that. The devil. (laughs) She... Does she get the right answer? Or does she... She confirms that it's the right answer. Yeah, but afterwards he's like, nah, you're definitely... You're you're full of shit. That was like a... a, Just a guess. Like, your, your power is definitely gone because you had sex... Yeah, and he, he he strikes her, he knocks her down, and it's like I would have had I would have had sex with you later, but uh, but I had to maintain the pat or something I don't know. And he reveals the death card, but yeah, we're gonna kill you now because you had sex with James Bond. I liked when Teehee was picking up something with his very shit hook, which looks so bad. Like he's got a big multi pack of Pringles up his fucking sleeve. <laughs> it's so shit. And when he tries to pick something up, Bond goes butter hook. And yeah. I was like, come on, hey. James. Hey. What no, is this, a podcast? It. You don't have to say every terrible joke that comes into your head. But a hook. So James Bond has been taken away to a crocodile farm. Yeah. Which, which, right, the more shit that I don't like about James Bond, he refers to baby crocodiles as potential overnight bags. Da-da, what, a, what a bastard. Yeah. No, these are beautiful creatures. Potential overnight bags. Come Sam, on. Sam, I love crocodiles and i love alligators and Mm -hmm. i think they're fascinating and i love so many things about crocodiles like the fact that they can live for nearly hundreds of years or the fact that they're super super closely related to dinosaurs or the fact that crocodiles for some reason are super duper good moms which i love i love that so much yeah crocodiles and also they can crush a man with their teeth. Yeah. They can do that as well. Yeah. Unrelated, can swans fuck you up? I always hear that with their wings, they can break your arm. No, like scientific guidance is that a swan can break a man's arm, you know? No, I could, I could take a swan. You reckon? Yeah. Look at this guy. <laughs> he's he's couched to 5K and now he's off fighting swans. Like I, I, I'm not sure about crocodile, but if, if a swan came at me, you know, game over for that swan. Like no, my, I'm my, my zoological advice when confronted with a crocodile would be to pretend to be a baby crocodile. Okay. That so might work. It, yeah. Yeah. What I didn't like here is that they were like, oh, they've got crocodiles and alligators here at the same time. And crocodiles, I mean, they're, they're meant to be in, one's meant to be in fresh water, the other's meant to be in salty ah, water. And this I is know, the kind of Joe Exotic approach to I'm keeping... I'm just saying here, the water may be brackish because like, they could be in the Everglades fine but i just think it's less than ideal particularly yeah. when they're like how many crocodiles you got here and he's like thousands what jesus yeah all right there joe Blumen exotic is it yeah <laughs> <laughs>
Now, to be fair, the situation of James Bond on a little rock in like a pool of crocodiles, that feels very James Bond to me. Oh, that yeah. That situation feels absolutely James Bond. He gets away by using them as fucking stepping stones. That's a puzzle in Sam and Max, the Hit the Road, the classic ah. LucasArts point and click game where you had to, using mini golf, hit fish into a row so that they would line up and then you could just walk across <laughs> them. Yeah. And it's, then he, it's very James Bond. He, he fucks up the, the baddies hideout slash lab, pouring now, gasoline everywhere. He if he had the gas scene to hand that would have been his preferred method you know he liked to make the improv flamethrowers how James likes to get rid oh, of his yeah. reptiles he, he, he would have burnt some more animals yeah but not not this time but he's off in a, in a gosh darn speedboat baby here we go Room. come on this was such a fun sequence that was just as fun as I remembered it mm. from like years and years and years ago. It's so much fun. It is very Blabrosque what we see. We see a lot of that action. There is a lot of smashing. There's a lot of silliness. A lot of comedy. A lot of comedy. There's a kind of goofy American sheriff who's J- introduced. W. Pepper. I mean, for he's such a caricature. I love it. I absolutely love it. It's a great caricature. The speedboats flying over the road, cops falling over. It's all. It's a bit. It's a knockout, isn't it? It's just. It's calamitous. It's not very Bondy for like you to have like an American caricature like that, is it? It's. It's no. been very like international. Things are all change. Yeah. yeah. He ends up in a posh person's garden. Boats on lawns. Boats on boats. Boats in the air. Now, I, I've noticed something about some of these older films with chase sequences and action sequences. They don't use music the whole time, or as yeah. much as I would expect. A lot of this is just silent in terms of score. It does ramp up towards the end. I was expecting the... You know, that's what you'd usually expect with the chase. It does have that feel to it, doesn't it? I love when J.W. Pepper tries to explain what's going on with all of this chasing and he's on the radio yeah. and he's like we got a swamp full of black russians <laughs> and then billy bob will start mad billy bob's in the house the house of being knocked out that is billy bob's yeah. on ice forget about billy bob he's dead Gets replaced with another henchman who comes in, fucks everything up. A wedding is ruined at one point. Yes. Oh, a, a speedboat crashes through the cake and through the tent. And I thought oh. he'd be like, here comes the bride because I'm going to have intercourse with her. Sexual congress, Sam. It's nothing nothing wrong about talking about it. Do you know what's uniquely satisfying to me and I love and I don't know why? Mm-hmm. Something about the boat temporarily coming up on land and just kind of drifting across the road and then going back in. Mm. I think, because you can do that in some of the games, not to come back to Grand Theft Auto again, but that thing of coming out of a boat on land and just kind of scooching across the land for a bit and then dipping back into the water. Keeping her lit like, you know? It feels good to kind of scratch across the land. It does, and you know what? Like, sometimes when you be out on the boat as well, Mm. You know, and you'd get tempted to do it a little bit. And I just, I hate, that's why I don't go out boating with people who are all like highly strung. Because I'd be like, come on, let's have a bit of a giggle. Let's have a bit of a bit of fun, right? Let's just pop onto the dry land for a second. Like, no, no, don't do it. It's going to break the boat. Just have a bit of a giggle and a bit of a skin. Nothing wrong with that. It's a good time. It's fun. It's fun. We're having fun here. You do what you want with your boat then, yeah? Bond manages to dispose of his all of his pursuers, including blowing one up. I can't even really remember how he did it. He throws stuff in someone's face, turns their boat around, adjusts their steering wheel, then they go into a thing and they explode. It's all fun, chase, bang, explosion. Bang. That's what happens. J.W. Pepper, what are you, some kind of doomsday machine, boy? 
And um, Secret Agent, he says it in the kind of AJ Styles gay community voice. Secret <laughs> like, Agent! Agent. <laughs> Company aisle, but they smile! And so, that was fun. That was a fun chase sequence. That was calamitous, daft, great stuff there. Highlight that, that, of the movie? I think so. I think that's the point where... I mean, the you crocodile know bit. Is, you know it is, you know it is. Things start to feel more Bond towards the end a bit because we get yeah. that crocodile sequence. We get a big chase. We get speedboats. We're right. going to the underground base now. Yeah, oh, an underground base. They're back on the island. Bond and his mate have got bombs. Solitaire is being brought out to be sacrificed. It's all going on. I love a bomb or a mine that is bright red and has a big ticking clock on it. Yes. That's classic mind that you don't want to be discovered. You just put this bright red thing with a clock on it in there. And it's the snake sacrifice thing that we saw from the start, but Bond's there with only five minutes until the bombs go off. There's serious, and I don't mean this in a good way, Resident yeah. Evil 5 vibes, when you've got like yes. all these like, tribal people who are like, ah, it's an outsider, and they're like, I've got a rope and I've got a torch. He's there with a gun. He kills so many unarmed armed people here it's like really he ah! shoots I, the place up I love the weirdness of Baron Sammy when he comes out and he oh, shoots him yes. and it's like a fucking hollowed out statue it's like a dark side of the force trick that he's pulled on him here everything about that sequence is great putting the hat on the tombstone and then Baron Sammy comes out of the grave but he's made of fucking porcelain what is going on here how many of these are there how did that happen the poppy fields are blowing up bond manages to free solitaire oh no bond by burning all the poppies you've made a giant heroin brown cloud and now the world no, is going to be addicted heroin. heroin rain ah! now as great as baron samadhi is He's very quickly disposed of by Bond because he just Bob gets... Bob fat man, right? He shows up, he does a cool thing. He falls into the Sarlacc brackets coffin of snakes. <laughs> snake coffin, yeah. Which uh, Another great heavy metal band, snake oh, yeah. coffin. Yeah. And then he, Bond, somehow Bond. knowingly taps on, <laughs> taps on the gravestone and he sinks through the gravestone into the underground lair. Does he do that on purpose? Is he trying to get down into the lair? Does he know that's where it is? He figured out the puzzle and right. I kind of feel like maybe it's the video games like from Russia with Love I did it I think. I'm pretty sure that one that was like a sequel to GoldenEye but wasn't GoldenEye Nightfire? Was that it? But I, I'm pretty sure every time he solved a puzzle it went Da-na-na-na! and I would <laughs> like, I've been doing that constantly for James Bond bits but but they don't do it at all in the movie. There's never a bit where it goes... Da-na, da-na. Da-na. They do nothing but live in that die, which is amazing commitment. And I don't know if all the Bonds do that, where they commit to the motif of the theme like throughout the movie. Mm. that You don't hear that... Da, 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 da. Instead, you hear whatever the theme is. Because you don't hear... I don't know if it happens as much. But live in that die, the theme is such a banger that they're making... You don't need the Bond theme, except at the start. don't need it much. No. But I would want to go back and record a special commentary where every time Bond does something good or tells a good quip uh, uh, and it could be different because obviously when he solves the puzzle it's, it's like because yeah, it's impressive <laughs> but when he tells a funny joke it's uh, 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 <laughs> all right now now bond they found his special shark gun oh that's good good he's got that with compressed gas pellets mm. they found that and they're like, what's this? And he's like, oh, it's compressed gas. A fucking hilarious scene of Dr. Kananga shooting a sofa with one of his henchmen on it, with Whisper on it. Yeah. 
and the sofa, the sofa itself swells up, and he's like, oh, oh, get out, and he topples over. Just proper funny slapstick comedy there of a sofa inflating with a man on it. Wonderful. It was excellent, and I liked how they gave us this moment of utter disarming silliness mm. before the final, like, it's Bond versus the bad guy. He We're going to dip you in some sharks. Yeah, he's got him hoisted up. He starts drawing on him with the knife. <laughs> And I was like, what's he doing there? And then sure then I realise, shark sauce. They love that. <laughs> he's put shark sauce on him. Oh, they can't resist the taste. But as he's being dipped in, it's also revealed that his watch is a circular saw, so he can free himself. <laughs> and then, then he can use his magnetic watch, which we set up at the start, to get his compressed gas bullet back that was on the desk. And he, he kicks Whisper over into this, like, Elon Musk rescue tube. <laughs> uh, mate, mate, is that uh, when you read his tweets and you say, get me out of here, put me in one uh, of those, huh? I was going to say, he'd be a good Bond villain. He'd want you to think that. Nah. He'd want you to think that. He'd be a shit Bond villain. No, Mr. Bond, I expect you to pay attention to me. <laughs> <laughs> Final fight between the baddie and Bond here. Oh, this is my all-time favourite death in Bond. He's, he's put the gas bullet pellet thing... In Mr. Kananga's mouth, and we get the silliest shot of oh, him yeah. inflating and bursting. And the the quip, Kevin, the quip. I w- I would like you to do it in in Roger Moore's voice. Well, he always did have an inflated opinion of himself. Oh, da 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 da. Glorious. Again, Thank you. One one breath, one breath. Take that was there from Moore. You know, he so. always did have an inflated opinion of himself. Ah, you know what he does? He does the quips we couldn't have in any Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Too many words. <laughs> too many, yeah, too many words. But this syllables. is for us. Actually, we're going to enjoy our cryptic crosswords of quips today, actually, with all its syllables and hidden meanings. And so, hey, we're all set and done, right? 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 Wrong. Uh, they're on a train. Teehee has snuck aboard in a sack. This is a, a, a Bond trope because I consider the tropes of Bond that are genuinely like intergenerational are the ones that are then made fun of in the Austin Powers movies. Yeah. And Austin Powers at every turn made the gag of the whole the final baddie is killed but there's another guy you forgot yeah. about. Da-da-da-da! Shagadelic. You know, so... <laughs> We have this, yeah, it's a standard fight with Teehee, which by rights should have happened earlier in the movie, so to not spoil the end and the feet. Like, if it makes you want to watch more Bond, I guess? But it's an odd way to finish us off. So Teehee sneaks up and just kind of folds away solitaire into the fold- foldable bed. So for the whole time, she doesn't know what's going on. She's just been literally folded out of the scene. For a little fight sequence here, Bond cuts off his arm wires and lobs him out of a fucking window. Solitaire just thinks this was like a funny joke he was playing. And he says, just being disarming, darling. Just being disarming because he's taking his fucking arm And off. it kind of oh. rhymes with darling as well, doesn't it? Yeah. And then with that, oh, well, we must be done now. Everything's done. He's disposed of the bonus baddie. <gasps> Wait a minute. Wait a second. Samadhi's on the front of the train laughing at us. Oh, my God. He's still alive. And then the movie ends all aboard. <laughs> the crazy train in question was being piloted by Baron Samadhi all hmm, along. Who we never, ever see again. No. but uh, 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 Except in Goldeneye. Uh, except so, in Goldeneye. Uh, except in go. video game canon and then we're at the end of the movie we get 
Live and Let Die again. It's Belter. I, you know, going through the movie, it didn't really come across as much as my experience that definitely was that the first half of this was not as fun as the second half, which was so much fun. Mm. And I was coming into this thinking, we're, well, fuck it. Like, we've just had to do that nor bit where there's gymnastics yeah. to talk about half of it. And I was actually surprised that, like... And hey, if you want to check that out, head on over to patreon.com for Yeah, you want to check well. out the, the, the verbal gymnastics. Uh. It's an interesting listen, and it's a fun time, but it's a bad movie, and it was hard to watch. But, like, I, I couldn't help but not want to crucify the movie just because it's 1973, and the fact yeah. that they try so earnestly to change Bond, and, like, Bond goes on to have, you know... I would say a, a more diverse cast of characters mm-hmm. than it did previously, but I mean, like, there's a lot of firsts in this for Bond in many respects. And yeah. like, he's out in the world. It's a different Bond, and it's not the one that we get forever. I think they dial it back a lot, and I think more settles into the tuxedos and martinis a little bit more. But it's, I think, it's not just a fun Bond movie. I think this is a this is a fun action movie. I think it stands up in its own right uh, beyond yeah. Bond. But how'd you get on with Roger Moore? I had a good time. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you about the kind of pacing at the start and you know finding it a bit difficult that first half maybe. And there's the caveats that come with watching a Bond anyway. Yeah, I mean you're you're aware of that going in and like yeah you're like, aware going in. I remember when I was like ten or whatever watching this for the first time and I remember distinctly when mm. Bond went into Harlem and you had the line where like I'll go to the Ku Klux Klan cookout and I remember mm. even as a kid in like when I would have been like nineteen. 98 or 99 I was like whoa this is weird Ooh. and <laughs> yeah. yeah obviously I was a very well read and formed 10 year old but sure. I mean it stands out obviously amongst Bond which Bond I think stands out a lot more than people care to admit at the moment like a lot of Bond is a bit dodgy and iffy and this is yeah, yeah. pretty dodgy and iffy but we've had much worse stuff on this show oh yeah we have absolutely I, I had a good time with it it was nice to see some Roger Moore Bond which I'm not super familiar with you like that flavour of Bond I I do like that flavour of Bond, and to be honest, I wonder whether there might be another Bond that, even, that ramps it up and is sillier, or is feels more classic. Because like Brosnan Bond, how much of this do you relate to Brosnan Bond, and how much this do you relate? Because you've seen obviously a bit of Connery as well. How do you relate these Bonds to each other? I feel like there's a, a kind of comes in waves. I mean, like, I, I feel like Roger Moore's Bond is m- sillier. I right. feel like he's sillier, or he's more fun slash funny. Brosnan's Bond ha- is a kind of mix. He's a cool customer. He's a cool customer, and it, the kind of the quips and the lines, uh, I don't feel that us, they're quite sold as well as Moore does it. He Nobody does it better. a bit embarrassed when Brosnan has to deliver a line. He's like, he motions yeah. it under his breath, like, let's get this over with. But I'm assuming with Daniel Craig, and if we are going to do a reverse swirl to see one of those, mm. I'm assuming I'm not going oh. to get to see a lot of my favourite Bondness. But I'm excited for you to see that type of Bond, this new Bond. Do you think I like different it? different Bond. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, I think so. Like Maybe. J- the Jason Bourne movies and a lot of the shaky cam spy stuff don't appeal to me. Like I don't mm. like a lot of gritty stuff, but yeah. I don't know. I, I'm intrigued to see how it'll go down. I enjoyed the, the kind of campiness of this and the, the, the music's great. Was it as silly as you thought it would be when you heard that? I mean, because you knew going in at least that it was going to be dealing with issues uh, relating yeah. to Harlem and voodoo. <laughs> uh, it was it was both sillier than I thought and not quite as ridiculous as some people made it out to be. Yeah. I think some people were like, this one is absolutely batshit. I think maybe I was hoping for more 
in terms of the silliness scale of this. It's both classic Bond and it is also really not classic Bond. This yeah. feels like definitely a departure. There's stuff I miss. There's like the the Q stuff. I always loved that as a kid. Yeah, you're missing like a lot, a lot of a lot of Bond here. Typical Bond stuff. I, my my feeling that I've got in my in my heart and soul here in my fillet of soul is that I liked it, but I'm not blown away. Are you wanting to watch more Bond? Because a guy had chatted with you about maybe we could do a few Bond cinema swirls, seeing as there are so many and there's so yeah. many ones that people would like us to to cover and there's different Bonds. There's loads of different things it's to talk about. It's such a massive franchise. There's so many different takes on the character and the way the films are made. I think it's, it's a rich, deep vein for us to explore and I'm glad we've explored some more. Some Sir Mr. Dr. Roger Moore. More, more, uh, please. More, more. Or more other Bond. More, more, more. How do you like it? How do you like it? More, more, more. This is an interesting one for Swirl anyway, because I've seen other films in this franchise. How, 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 however, Sam, we have, in the last six months, I would say, more than our fair share of action romps. I mean, yep. I, I think that we've had the likes of Face Off and Independence Day and, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger has, has appeared many times on this show. Like we, We've done a lot of action movies. Yeah. And Bond is meant to be quintessential action, if, if anything but. So, where is this mm. ranking up here? You don't seem as ecstatic mm. as, as if we'd watched an Arnie movie or some of the 90s action offerings that we've had here on cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. I think maybe I've been spoiled, or maybe Ooh. like this is the template for some other stuff that came later. Has it aged, do you think, in that sense? In pure action sense. Yeah, like is this tamer than what you'd expect? Oh, I think, yeah, we're, we're probably all desensitised to action and we want more, we want more crashes, things falling over. I, 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 look, I love the speedboat chase. Physical stuff though, like that is always, I think that's timeless. I think yeah. there'll always be a market to go back and watch a real boat run into a real car. <laughs> yeah, we, that's what we all want at the end of the day. I mean, that's what I want. That's why I keep trying to navigate off onto land. That's my secret desire and I just keep hoping that someone will want to have a bloody giggle with me, Sam. I don't know, but then like, I didn't have that same visceral joy that I had with fucking face off or something yeah saying. you ah. have had a lot less i don't say less joy implying that you mm. didn't have fun because you obviously had a lot of fun had fun but there's the smile index is down a bit i feel yeah. that you may be appreciating this as a piece of carpentry as opposed to <sighs> an action movie i mean yeah. i feel for my watching of it it suffered that i watched this on a wednesday night and not a sunday afternoon i just didn't I didn't feel like it was Bond, Bond o'clock for me. Yes, I feel like this could be enjoyed in the background. Oh, yeah. You could nap at any point. They'll wake up somewhere else. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know what my star white rating is. I, okay. I know what it is, and I feel it deep within me. In your soul. In my soul. Sorry, I had to make sure, just before he gives the star white rating, folks, that this actually is Sam, and not some sort of, like, mock, I don't know, like, Baron Sam Chaplin-y, or uh-huh, something like that. It is it is I. He Mark says it's four star wipes, and then I shoot him, and he just falls apart a lot, you know? Sam, your final thoughts on star wipe rating for Live and Let Die. Good, I had a good time. Hmm? I still feel slightly unsatisfied and I, I i'm not sure where it comes from but i'm gonna give this three star wipes three star wipes you heard it here first 
Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema Swirl. This episode was produced by Kevin, it was edited by me, Sam, and the music was also by me. If you want to support the show directly and get access to our monthly bonus show, Cinema Swirl, patreon.com forward slash cinemaswirl is the way to go. If you want to follow us on the socials, we're at cinemaswirl on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash cinemaswirl on Facebook. If you have any questions, queries, comments or other stuff for the mailbag, then please send them on in to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Please do keep recommending the show to friends or leaving reviews on whichever podcast thing you use. Hey, we're now on Spotify as well, if that's your preference. You can head over to Spotify and search for Cinemaswirl. Alright, see you next time. Bye. Sorry, Sam, I didn't want my battery to live and let die. Hey. <laughs> 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 <laughs>